You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. A new chapter this morning in the battle against Ebola. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American summer. Until you see the flaming butthole, you ain't seen nothing yet. Something good for ya. everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the something good for you podcast where the two of us sift through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you each and every single week now i'm one of your two co-hosts alex stiff and sitting across from me is the one and only captain nun what's up y'all how you doing sir i'm doing excellent well we are doing fantastic over here because we have long time wanted to have this guest in here without further ado mr jeff williams biggie stardust himself welcome hey man what's going on <laughs> Great to have you in. And, uh, no, the main reason saying that is because starting out the show is like, of all people, I've probably known you, and uh, we're hopefully going to have Russ on the show here soon. So it's like between you, Russ, and uh, Clayton are probably the people I've known the longest. So I'm surprised it actually took this long to get you in here. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I'm not a Charlotte guy anymore, and it's a little harder to get me to come into town. From and, Concord, right? Uh, I've kind of... I've kind of harbored a little bit of guilt about not coming up here and doing this till now, but like <laughs> How I said, dare you? Well, like I said, you know, uh, I don't like overexposing myself, and the way I look at it, if this is like a music-centric kind of podcast, yeah, uh, I don't want to come and hang out and then three months down the line, but hey, I need to be back on there again because I got this thing happening. <laughs> well, see, I would right. want you to come back in three months anyway because it's like, I feel like we have episodes and episodes that we could do just the three of us just between like the music we like and then our history of True. music together. I feel like there's so much content we could honestly have. But I really ain't thinking about you as much as I am, <laughs> a, a, as I am the people who listen. It's just like, God, not not that fucking guy again. Oh, please. We have Mikey on like once a month. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, you know, um, no, I appreciate you guys uh, in, inviting me and being patient with me. and of course, of course. Well, we got to have at least a little bit of like the intro in here. It's like at least like our origin story to kind of set the baseline. So it's like you and mom, of course, uh, were friends starting out. But my very first introduction to you was the Dead Kings. Okay. So and, and I remember I remember her playing a little bit of the first two records. But my distinct memory with the Dead Kings was you brought over an early mix of Armed and Delicious. Yeah, that you was about that was right about the same that, that time that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you brought over an early mix of that, and I remember um, you playing the record for me, and mm -hmm. me just kind of being blown away because it was very different from like the Dead Kings kind of leading into that. So let's kind of talk Dead Kings a little because that definitely started out as what would you say a bit more of an aggressive punk rock sound. You know, it, it kind of whenever Steve and I started the Dead Kings, we didn't really have a focus mm -hmm. uh i had been in this band called punished mm -hmm. that was real aggressive and i'm kind of getting back to that but we'll, we'll talk about that yep. later yes uh but it was real aggressive and real angry stuff and steve was in a band called deviant that was testament pretty thrash metal thrashy metal uh, kind of got into the death metal stuff a little bit real aggressive stuff 
both of us, and you know, Steve and I grew up, you know, we went to high school together. We, we come from the same podunk town in, in Cabarrus County. I, I wanted to, and Steve to, Steve also wanted to do something that was different. Mm-hmm. And I almost say like different than anybody else was doing. Of course, people are, have played the kind of music we're playing. We wanted to put a little bit more emphasis on the rock side of of the loud music not the the riff side okay the, the groove to it you know groove well, well explain and, the, the difference between the rock and the riff because to me that would be synopsis in this or synonymous well, to me, the same riff riff is in like you're writing riffs and it's like uh, songs and i'm not putting down the bands that i was in or the band that i was in or the band that steve was in those were really good bands and they had good song structures but it was those songs are a collection of riffs right okay whereas to me uh acdc wrote songs that were more rock and roll the ramones wrote rock and roll songs and steve and i were both very much as much as we liked metallica slayer those types of bands we were also rock and roll guys alice right. cooper mm-hmm. the ramones we, we we liked a lot of that stuff so i think at the time we were just a burnout on riffy yeah. serious songs and we looked we kind of looked at each other and said well we both of the same mindset at the time uh i had never held an instrument i had never held a bass i never held a guitar so you only did so you only sang and punished i only sang and punished and I, and I knew that, like, I wanted to have a little bit more say in the songwriting process. Mm-hmm. To some degree, I wanted to be able to say, okay, this is kind of the way I want this to be. So I asked Steve, I said, you know, or actually Steve said to me, you should, you should play bass. Okay. And I was like, well, how hard is that? He said, it's easy. We'll buy a bass. <laughs> I'll get you started. And you'll just learn along the way. Yeah. Which, if you know Steve, and you both do, and you know what the kind of guitar player is, <laughs> yeah. the guy could Tremendous. play. You know, he he really he's 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 untapped talent as far as I'm concerned. Within like, he could be a session guitar player. Oh, totally. He could, oh, absolutely. He could be a for gun hire guitar player because he can do anything, and he looks he sounds like butter when he does it. He, mm-hmm. he it looks effortless. It makes me. I don't even like playing guitar around Steve because he's that good. He's one of those guitarists that piss you off because you love him so much. That fucking Tankified record, that first one, is oh so fucking bad ass you with know, those riffs. He, he is. He's. Um, and I know a lot of really good guitar players. Mm-hmm. You know, and you guys are great musicians. Andy Krause is I was a great about musician. To say Andy Krause. Uh, the Scott that's in the um, that's in the Self Made Monsters. I know lots of great guitar players. But Steve is the one that I'm intimidated to play in front of because because <laughs> he he's he just that's in his DNA. Yeah. So he he plays like butter he, and, he, and he just looks so natural doing everything. Why he chose some guy that had never held a bass before, I still don't to this day know why he did that. Why he decided to go that route because he was playing with pro guys. Yeah. But he wanted to have more fun, which I understand. So he said, "Hey, what's uh." We're gonna, you know, you get a bass, get an amp. I'll kind of show you where the chords are. We'll figure it all out. That's what he did. I went and bought an amp. I went and bought a bass. 
no name Washburn bullcrap. I mean, it was just <laughs> it was terrible. It was junk. I don't. It didn't last past two shows probably. But honestly, I think that kind of basic style you kind of went into it kind of gave that first record a very unique sound because even uh, the second record didn't really y'all had already progressed some by the yeah, second record. Yeah, you know, it's funny because Steve actually says the exact same thing. He says that that first record with all of its flaws and, mm-hmm. it, and it's and all of its I don't say misdirection like there's a lot of things I wouldn't do today but we did that when we didn't really know how to do anything else yeah. and he cites that as like the record that defines us right I mean but there's some great songs on there like Run You Down yeah that I mean that that wound up being a lot staple to the end yeah that was kind of like y'all's rock and roll all night yeah that well that's you know it was a that's the Chuck Berry song. I mean, it, yeah. who, who gets tired of those types of songs? <laughs> right. You, you can do that Chuck Berry, Little Richard type of song to the end of, you know, till till cockroaches are the only thing left on on planet Earth. It always and works. Everybody's gonna like it. <laughs> so of course we kept that around. And he played. You know, that was the first solo we ever did. It's really? The, it's the only solo on it because he was a rhythm guitar player. He never played solos before that. Really? He played. That was the first solo he ever came up with. Wow. And of course he knocked it out. Again, dude Dude can pick up. It was a prodigy. The dude can go to the Ukraine and pick up some some four string <laughs> some four string nylon instrument made you know made out of uh, stretched goat skin <laughs> that has some weird tuning and he can plug it for three minutes and, and master it anyway, that's just the kind of guy he is when it comes to playing music and oh and not to also forget on the first record yeah you, you had Clayton guest on there as your, yeah, with your cover of Teenage Lobotomy yeah we you know uh we wanted to have Clayton because Clayton had always taken us under his wing. And I thought, well, you know, Clayton loves the Ramones. And I think that, you know, it would be awesome to have Clayton on this record. And, yeah, you know, it would be too, you know, it would be our way of saying like, you know, Hey, we're, we, you know, we, we're like the little brother band to, mm-hmm. to Anacene. We, we are in alliance with these guys. You exactly. know, and also selfishly, it was like, you know, you know, I felt like it would give us more, more legitimacy to have like a legitimate professional like band yeah. and everything by yourself. You know, and uh, I listened to that, and today it's the the teenage lobotomy is, you know, it's it's one of the first things I go to mm-hmm. if I have to listen to that record. And, <laughs> and I don't mean it in a bad way. I, I I just don't listen to the things that I've already recorded. Like I don't listen to them very much. I'm I'm sure you guys know what that feels like. Yeah. I, I'm honestly to that point now with our first record. I it's like about- I, I I went through and listened to it for the first time in forever and just went. I like where we are now. Well, you know, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm gonna tell you because there's still that memory of that being the first record oh, that just like feels which great actually connection still. we've recorded that at uh, Barry's place. Well, you know, I I I try to be honest as possible. I try to be tactful. I don't want to like trash anything if somebody is asking for for uh constructive criticism mm-hmm. yeah which i think people that know me now know that don't ask if you don't want to hear <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. so when you had joined when you had started the fill-ins mm-hmm. you were still living in roanoke roanoke and i think you were either down or you had just moved here mm-hmm. and you were recording like a couple songs yeah just a little demos and you you asked you wanted my opinion mm-hmm. and I remember I wasn't looking forward to telling you because I there was things I was just like 
these things are going to live forever. Yep. Yeah. I, and I don't say this to like be a jerk. I look at things I did in the past. There is a version of ACDC's problem child that the, the Dead Kings recorded. You will never hear it. <laughs> I will pay. Oh. I will pay money for none of way to ever hear that. Yeah. I could be blackmailed with that song because it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I told you I was like, mm-hmm. be careful what you what you say what you say as a release because. It never goes away. Yep. It, it's always be around, and, and at some point you're going to hear this, and you're going to cringe. Yep. And not because it was you did something stupid or you didn't know how to do something right. But honestly, at that point, I was reaching too far. Then, and those songs they got that quick release online, but it was never like press. It was never like Spotify released and all that stuff. It was like a MySpace release thing. So, so I was able to scrub that. But honestly, it's like I took what you said on that too hard. And there was, and there were certain things I kind of looked back on, because even before we recorded the first official record, I was already listening to it, going, "Oh, oh, even a few months disconnected, I'm not liking this." And see, you know, I try to be that way. I've told other people that I've, you know, I've had those conversations with other friends recently about things that I think hey, that could be better. Mm-hmm. And that's not a fun conversation to have, but I, I did it, and. You know, hopefully now you're like, yeah, you know, those those things in the past can they can they can not be fun to look listen to or look mm-hmm. at, you know, when it's in and, and the whole first record. I would have never done that cover. I, I think that cover looks like <laughs> the murder city or bus. <laughs> yeah, thumbs that, out. That cover just looks it looks amateur. Yeah, and I wish I'd have done it differently, but I I can't do anything about it now. And it's it has a certain it has a certain charm to it that. Uh, that guy, you know, twenty-four-year-old guys who've never ever done anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has that kind of charm, but uh, I don't sit around and listen to it very much. But no. but when I do, and this is this is a long return. Yeah, you're good to get back to it. But uh, that that Clayton uh, on vocals, it's like that's like that, and a couple other songs which I can't. I don't know how. I don't know how uh, family friendly this is supposed to be. But oh, we, we we say whatever we want yeah. on here. It don't so matter. the song "Face Fucker," uh, <laughs> <laughs> tremendous. To me, to me, that was that was. Um, I can listen to that. I can listen to Clayton's uh, singing on "Lobotomy," and there's mm-hmm. a, there's a couple more on there. "Run You Down" is pretty good, but I don't I don't sit around and listen to those records. Yeah, no, and, I, I and, understand that. And you know, when you talk about. Uh, Armed and Delicious, I really can't listen to that record. Really? Yeah, I can't. It's hard to listen to that record. That's still my favorite of y'all's. It has some. It has some good moments, mm-hmm. but also, it there's some. It's it's a it's a real slick, clean record, mm-hmm. and that bothers me. Really? I, I like things mm. to be more abrasive. I like less polish, not more polish. Right. It has a lot of polish on it. And I think like Jordan played mm-hmm. drums on that. And Jordan's Jordan's probably technically one of the best drummers I ever had. Yeah. Human he, metronome type he stuff. Is, he is a, a, a perfect drummer as far as his time is perfect. His memory is impeccable. And he's a fun drummer to play with. Yeah. I got to play a couple shows with him. Yeah, he, he is really fun. He's he's a he's a great guy. He's a lot of energy. He also is is he was a perfectionist on a lot of that stuff. And I I don't like perfectionists. Yeah. I don't like perfectionists. I mean, for us it was a detriment. Mm-hmm. I think for the Dead Kings because I'm in the band and I'm the bass player and I'm kind of sloppy anyway. 
we don't need to be polishing up imperfect shit. Right. We need to like put it out there, hangnails, scars, mm-hmm. Raw road rash, everything. So I listen to that now, and I'm like, eh. And I find I that w- interesting because. I love that record for the exact reasons you don't like it. I understand, and 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 that's reflected in in your uh, your preferences of mixing and stuff. I wouldn't even say that. I think the reason why I liked it was it matched the uh, the package overall because I still remember the CD. Even it's like y- y'all were definitely going for a lot more of a glam, yeah. slick look. Yeah, even so, it almost felt like the music reflected the look really well. Well, you know, in this, I don't mean this, and I had this conversation with my drummer. Now we 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 were talking about this today. At the time, and you kind of had to kind of put things in context for at the moment when something's going on. Every band, and I, I know you've experienced this. Everything's political. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. There, there's little camps forming bands, mm-hmm. little alliances, people not. Really liking each other. Some people, you know, these people are buddies. These aren't. These persons doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. At the time, we had, you know, that band, that lineup was a pretty prolific. We did a lot of stuff, but everybody wanted to have their say. And, like, the packaging of it, I like the cover. Yeah. I think the cover is the best thing about that record. Mm-hmm. Um the inside packaging, I, I think it's... Uh, oh, the trading card or the the, I did, uh, the I, 10 by 12 I didn't like that. It was it was too jokey. And the songs were pretty good. But I, my voice in that, as far as how I thought things should be mixed, mm. Mm. I thought, okay, I was kind of... I was a minority in some of that. Got it. And I'm not putting this on anybody no. else. But I, but but just you as a creative and what your personal vision of it. Yeah, and and you, but also again context at the time I was cool with it. I was like, yeah, maybe I wanted it to be a little bit more raw. But hey, they still sound pretty good. I, yeah. I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah, and I, I think listen, the songwriting was great. I listen to it now, and it's like, yeah, eh, there's some, there, there's some there's some things that I wouldn't do to today to that record. Right. For instance, there's a song in there called. Salami Tsunami. <laughs> Nasty. You know why I wrote that song? Why? Because I thought it'd be funny. And I don't like just being funny for the right. sake of being funny and clever. I this is this is younger Jeff. I I realized that salami and tsunami kind of rhymed. And I'm like, oh, it'll be a funny song. Right. I mean, I understand like a, the pretense you're coming from because it almost feels like a Joey Ramon kind say, of rhyme. Yeah. It's a tsunami, tsunami. Yeah. You know, it, so I can at least see where maybe part of the brain was going. I mean, it was just one of those songs where it was like, it was funny, and it, the song had a, kind of a surfy thing. It, and It's cute. That was cute. But that ain't me. <laughs> and, and, and that wasn't me back then. I want things to, you know, at least have some sort of... Snark more than humor. Purpose. There you go. I it like needs, that. It needs okay. to have some, you know, if I write something, it needs to have some sort of purpose, whether it be lighthearted or or whatever. And that mm-hmm. didn't really, and I, and I listen to that now and I kind of cringe. I can see that. But at the same time, I'm glad that I remember it because now I use that as, as like, a, as like kind some like motivator or something like that. Well, as a cone in the road to avoid. 
Gotcha. You I know, like that. I, I, I see that, and like I always look behind me, and I see that, and I'm like, okay, be careful. Mm-hmm. Like, don't don't try to be too clever. You know, <laughs> we, we, we've heard that one recently too. I've heard, I've had that discussion with uh, with Tuck actually yeah. about being too goddamn clever. <laughs> yeah, because because the thing is, the average person, they're as clever as you are. Right. You know, we always want to think that we're a little bit smarter than everybody else, but in reality, we're not. And unless you really come out the gate with something that no one's ever thought of, most people just roll their eyes. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So, yeah, I get that. And had, had I been Turbo Negro, had I been somebody who their whole shtick is, is wordplay and, mm-hmm. and kind of pushing the envelope of uh, sexual... Innuendo, innuendo, maybe something like salami tsunami would have been a little bit, would have had a little bit more purpose. Yeah, you're right. right because uh, even on the previous two records, I mean, really the only overtly sexual things you did, I mean, even well, the title of the second record, "Hot Black Chick," you know, but but, but even that, was, that wasn't a sexual. That wasn't song. a sexual thing. No, that wasn't a sexual thing. That was really that was just like, hey, we're. Me and Steve think black girls look good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know, so and, and so for I, so I get that. Yeah, salami tsunami is kind of a turn, and it was just a pointless. It was a pointless song that that was kind of more based around just some clever wordplay that really wasn't that clever. Like I said, if I was in it's turbo, a great Wednesday Thirteen song. If I was in turbo, <laughs> if, 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 I was, if I was in turbo negro. That would have made so much more sense. Yeah, that's but, just a, just a but song you were about, also a Turbo Negro fan at the time. I am, but also I try not to like tread on other people's water because right. people will people will sniff that out in a fucking heartbeat. <laughs> and like, okay, I'm a you know I'm a big Twisted Sister fan. Yeah, which I think some people think is like me trying to be ironic. No, but, I know you're a serious. But I'm a, I'm a big fan, fan, and if you if you if you look at Twisted Sisters. Song, uh, song, I don't say catalog. catalog, catalog, yeah. They didn't write songs about women, they didn't write like no, they were like sexual songs. They're the bad boys of rock and exactly. roll, and that they, shit. They, they, their songs were more anthemic, yeah, um, glam rock rocker. kind of, uh, you know, with, with balls to it. That so, was their whole thing. So, uh, there towards the end of their career in the 80s they did a song called Hot Love yeah which was basically like the, them trying to be White Snake mm. you know they were you know they had the hot chick walking you know with the the, the the sports cars and the was it the was that the same record that the price was on and all that where they had the power ballad? No, I like the price now. Be careful. <laughs> I like the price. Be careful. That, that was on Stay Hungry. That was on Stay Hungry. I like the price. Uh, no, this is well. The price was was fine. It, it fit that record. Right. Hot Love just was them blatantly trying to be White Snake. That's hilarious. Because White Snake at the time they had the. They had the uh, was that Pete? video. Was that the Here I Go Again? Here shit? I Go yeah. Again song with the hot chick and the, the uh-huh. hair that swirls around. Uh, gotcha. And it was a disgusting attempt for for it was actually supposed to be a D. Snyder solo record, but oh, they made okay. a Twister Sister record, and it was them just trying to cash in on on what was going on with bands of that ilk, right? And I'm not saying it was a bad song. I didn't like it. I don't like that record. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like in the Dead Kings, 
we didn't write a bunch of like sleazy chick songs. I'm not a sleazy guy. That, yeah. Like I, I mean, I have my, you know, I, I have my, you know, I'm married, and I and I and I I see a, a beautiful woman, and I, you know, and I think, well, that's a beautiful woman, and I might think something more than, oh, she's just a beautiful woman, mm-hmm. but I don't sit there and go, oh man. Like, I just, I would tear that. I don't do that. Right. No, and, and I even kind of even to fast forward a little bit, you know, we played together and Biggie started as soon as Wretched Hive, and it's like, there were nice, you know, you'd even get drunk and stuff, and you were still never even that guy. Yeah, I don't, I don't do that um, outwardly. I, no. I, I, and I'm not putting down people who are, who are real into like putting their, uh, you know, being sexual. Like, it, it, it's, it's fun, it's cool. I'm, I like that ACDC does it when Kiss does it. That's cool. Motley Crue can do that. I don't want to, like, push that. You're not hair metal at all. No. And, I, <laughs> and, and it's just like, to me, it's just such an easy thing to try to, like, stir some people up. And, mm-hmm. when and plus, exactly what you are saying earlier, since it's not you, people would see right through it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I just, and it's not me. You're not cock There's so many, <laughs> there, there's so many other people doing stuff like that and trying to push that i don't need to do that i i was i was coming up with interesting things without having to do that yeah and i just felt like when we did that you know it also comes in that situation where it's like because you have four people trying to come up with ideas for something Mm -hmm. it's like i better hurry up and throw my idea idea out there so it gets included before yeah. Before somebody else does. Right. So there was a little bit of that. Uh, long, you know, kind of like circling back. Yeah. Long story short, I don't hate that record. I don't think anybody was really to blame. It just, there was just a weird time in the band. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of. In About the to mid- close up the doors anyway. Well, we were, we were closing the door on that line of uh, Jordan Beef Moon. <laughs> was was kind of like I love that. he was he was edging out anyway. He was edging towards the the door as it was yeah. because of I think he was getting ready to have a kid. Mm. And we were you know this, mm. we were always in the hunt for the next drummer. <laughs> we understand that yeah. feeling. Vikings <laughs> were here around for 10 years. We had 10 drummers and to, well, to, we're, we're well on our way, buddy. You know, <laughs> we are well on our way. To, to, to varying degrees, we had 10 drummers. And um, so uh, when I listen to that record now, I, I I try to be positive about, it, but there's there's more there's more negative about that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I told Steve I could take all three of those records and and some of those seven inches, and I could like pull three or four songs from each one and make a really good record if we <laughs> if we re-record it. You know? <laughs> Just make a new uh, compilation. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, so you went from like that super slick feeling and I have a feeling that's kind of what directed the, the new project you started up after Dead Kings, which was The Wretched Hive. Because that first record was very down and dirty garage well, sound. I, I think, I mean, I, I felt like both those records, the, the next one, the... Bad manners, basically. Yeah, bad, yeah I, I feel like that was pretty. I mean, we did it. We did both of them in garages. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the the difference between Dead Kings is with Steve Winsel in the band. Mm-hmm. Steve Winsel can do anything that I ever want except be a bad guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Winsel can play anything that anybody will ever ask him to. 
but he can't be a bad guitar player. Right. And by bad guitar player, you mean like a, a Greg Ginn kind of where it's like, it's no, bad, but it like, works. Like like a, a, a Johnny Thunder's sloppy, uh, sloppy blues licks, wrong notes. He can't do that because he's too good. Yeah. And he's too, <laughs> he's too tight. And I wanted something sloppy. I wanted it to be a, a, Ramones meets the Rolling Stones, real sloppy guitar. Mm, Find some way where you can meet yeah. in the middle on exactly. that kind of thing. I, I kind of wanted to do that, and the that's such a weird approach. Well, I, that's just the way I am, you know. <laughs> and but uh, so the the what's the word I'm looking at the the problem with with the biggie thing was well, first off, I was trying to do it at the same time I was having. Dead Kings, which I don't believe in dual loyalties. You don't. You do one band that needs to be your main band, and, and mm-hmm. Dead Kings was my main band. But I was kind of in. I was kind of getting into this whole playing guitar thing, which was I was liking it too. It just kind of so happened that when the Dead Kings imploded, I had another band to go to. Yeah, because I still remember. I think that first Biggie show was at Tremont. It was. It was. It was, was, it was an a event. Dead, it was a. It was an anti scene twenty fifth anniversary. Yep, I remember that. We we played. That was our first show. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was problem number one is I had two bands at the same time, and, which I love. I love both bands. The second problem was is that that sloppy guitar player that played, you know, that was going to be the lead guitar player, it was going to be me. <laughs> and what, what I knew about guitar was, hey, whatever, whatever chord you're going to be, it's going to be the first finger. Right. Mm-hmm. Got your bar chords down. It's going to be on the, the, the string that's fir- closest to me. <laughs> the, the, the next one is going to be uh, two fingers over, and it's going to be two, one string down, two frets down. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I knew about guitar. Johnny Ramone. <laughs> yep. That's what I knew about guitar. So it's like, okay, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the, the lead guitar player. <laughs> okay, I mean, I would literally call Steve up and be like, "Hey, um, so what notes do I need? What what notes am I allowed to use to make a solo for if 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 the the guitar part is this? Yeah, and you know, A E D, and, and he would, and you know, of course, you know, I don't even know if Steve knows how to like, but he just instinctively knows what sca- what's in a scale and everything, yeah, right." You know, I think he probably like sent me a link to like okay, whatever tabs whatever, and tabs some shit like or whatever. That. He probably sent something to me that showed me what. Where, Here's your pentatonics, your majors, <laughs> and yeah. your minors. And uh, so that's what I, you know, I would just try to like wing a solo. Mm-hmm. Right? Would you do the Chuck Berry or the? Uh... Well, the Chuck Berry, which is like the on the two the bottom two strings. Yeah. Where on, on the same fret. And then like the bend on the one below it. Yeah, yeah. you know, that's um that little like one trick up my sleeve, I've I beat it with a <laughs> I beat it to death and I'm still beating it to death because, because even though the, the band I'm in now doesn't have solo solos, I still do a little thing like that with <laughs> it's just a fun little I mean Johnny Thunders did the sprinkle. same thing. Yeah, he did. And um so that was kinda of like the second thing when when really I'm a I'm a rhythm guitar player. Yeah. The problem is, is that Mike's a rhythm guitar player, and you probably noticed this. Our styles aren't different. Who needs two rhythm guitar players that play downstrokes the whole time? That play downstrokes. You don't need two guitar it, players. It gave it a wall of sound, though. It did. Because I'll at least speak in my time of it, because uh, the lineup was uh, Mike, myself on drums, I mean drums, bass, and then uh, Eddie Ford on drums. Mm-hmm. And 
there were moments when Mike, Eddie, and I would get so locked in with each other, and mm -hmm. it was be from your direction that we really did just have this wall of sound. So I would say that would be the benefit of two rhythm guitarists with a similar style, because we really did have just that sonic blast there near the end. Because that was a solid rhythm section, too. That's how I came to know Jeff, was mm -hmm. through seeing Biggie Stardust shows. Yeah, those, you know, those last two lineups... Uh, I shouldn't say last two lineups. I don't want to. I don't want to come off like because there was a little bit of wonkiness there, um, and, I, and I appreciate everybody that had been in the band. Of course, uh, the first lineup was fine, but you know, like John Bowman played bass, and he played mm -hmm. great bass. He recorded us both times, and uh, the the drummer Kevin. Hell yeah, those, man! Those guys were both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, doing me a favor, and yeah. they did a wonderful job of doing me a favor. But they weren't invested guys, right? Like you know, they just like, hey, you know, they said, hey, Jeff, what do you need? So exactly, which which is awesome. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like I didn't feel like we really hit our stride until we got uh, Johnny mm -hmm. and Chris. CJ yeah. Chris. Is it CJ? Yeah, Chris. Yeah. Chris yeah. I think he goes by CJ Bones or something. Yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. Chris, Chris, and uh, Johnny came in. You know, that was the first time we had, like, real band members that, like, that was their only thing. Yeah. Whereas, at the time, those guys were doing other things. Mm -hmm. I think Kevin was in two or three bands. He was in Dead Kings, too. Because I think I only saw one or maybe, I think he'll only played with that lineup one or two times, right? With uh, Bowman and Kevin? We did a couple shows. Okay. They they weren't anything to write uh, about. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say I, I only remember a couple of them because I remember the primary of the shows being the Angler Johnny lineup, so, and that was a, that was also a force to be reckoned well, with. Well, we, we we did the first um, we did the first couple, you know, the first lineup did some shows, and then I want to say who left? Bowman had to leave. Mm -hmm. Oh, he was just joining Andy. He was scene. joining Andy. Seen you know we were we were excited about that. And we got another guitar player that played one show with us, and mm -hmm. he actually he played a Steinberger bass. <laughs> really, a Steinberger. We, I have that's actually, awesome. I have actually been on stage with somebody in a band that I was in that played a Steinberger. Bass. <laughs> anyway, uh, but that was that that lineup was getting ready. I mean, it was it lasted one show, and it was on its way out. The drummer and the the bass player, right? They're buddies. I'm not trashing them. I appreciate. It. So then it fell apart. Right, and when it fell apart, I, I kind of thought, well, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I, I'll see what I can find. And what had happened was there was a, there was a guy who had a, I don't want to say his name because uh, he's one of the few people I don't like in in town. <laughs> and, uh, and I just don't want to give him any, I just don't want to give him any airtime, airtime, advertisement. Enough. But he hit me up and said hey we're doing uh, a benefit for a thing a, uh, a thing and I'm, I'm putting together a cover band just to do like these seven or eight covers and it's like this classic rock songs like yeah. uh, you know whatever Born to be Wild and, right you know Should I Stay or Should I Go just, just dumb shit like that gotcha and I got this guy this guy and this guy on you know I got I, and I forget the the band that that Chris was in, but Chris was the drummer for that band. Mm, okay. And we got together, 
and we played and it was it was kind of a shit show but I, I mean I was just singing yeah so I mean all I had to do was know how to say Born to be Wild and uh, <laughs> and you know sing Louie Louie horse shit like that but I remember when the, when the show was over I, I went to Chris and I said hey man um, let me know if you're ever not in a band mm-hmm. I'm like you know I thought you yeah, is a pretty good drummer so we got up and uh, or we we that was over, and then I reached out to him again because I found out that he was without a band, and I and I went to to the guy that put that that little one time band together, and I said, yeah. hey, you know, why don't you and Chris come in and do something with me? Mm-hmm. So we put something together, and that guy who I won't say, I think he, to his credit, said eh, this is not going to be the, the direction I want to go in. Right. But you and you and Chris. You know, have a nice life together. <laughs> you know, I hope you have beautiful children. <laughs> so me, you know, I hit Mike up. I said, "Hey, you know, I got this drummer. Let's look for a bass player." And then when we put that that I guess the the third version of Biggie together, then, then we had guys in the band that like that was their main band. That mm-hmm. was like their because Mike wasn't in anything else either. Was no, he? Mike's never done anything that I've seen outside outside the one time he played with you guys. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen known him do anything else. Now that might be changing. Hopefully it is because he looks like he's getting ready to do something. Ooh, but nice, we'll, but we'll talk about that anyway. He, uh, you know, then I found. I think I put ads out and and, and Johnny got up with me and mm-hmm. when we got that lineup put together, then it was like okay, we're all like. The gang's all here. Yeah. Like, we're all, like, you know, on... Uh, it's like Scooby and the gang. Let's exactly. do this. Like, yeah. like let, let, you know, we're all, like, you know, this is all of our priority. And we we had a real good run for a while. Of course, in my life, whenever, anytime I pour any kind of money into a situation, i.e. put a record out, <laughs> then all of a sudden, here come the ripples. So, <laughs> yeah. so of course, uh, you know, I spend a couple grand putting out a record, and then my rhythm section just disappears yeah overnight <laughs> jesus it's like one guy says hey I, I can't do it and the other guy says well actually chris quit first and this is nothing against chris great guy but he he took a job down in um he, uh, south carolina south carolina he had to move yeah understood and never got mad about it and we got because actually the funny PS to that is he was helping me get the fill-ins off the ground mm-hmm. around that same time too. So I got yeah. the same fucking phone call and I'm just like, shit, Chris. <laughs> He's like, well, look, you knew I was a fill-in to start. I'm like, I know, but I figured we were going to do more than two shows. I still got to find someone else. <laughs> so goddamn drummers. We got together. Um, we got with we got with John's brother, uh, Beef, who mm-hmm. was you know he was in the Dead Kings for for uh, you know for a good little while. And um, I ain't gonna get into it too much. I, I, me and me and uh, Jordan get along great yeah. uh, today, but uh, I, I, I think that Jordan was wanting what we were to be something a little bit different, right? And I think you know you you experienced that because you were mm-hmm. you had came in after because right about the time I think we did one show with with that lineup, and then Johnny yeah couldn't do it anymore for whatever reason. And you joined, and then it became apparent that it wasn't what Jordan yeah. needed it to be for him. Exactly, and I and I, and I and I respect that. So we we part ways with him, and that's when we got Eddie. Which you know the whole Eddie thing came from from the the hated GGL tribute mm-hmm. that, that Clayton put together. Yeah, and I remember 
which had uh, you on bass, uh, me, me on, on bass. guitar, and then Clayton on vocals and uh, Eddie on drums. And I had, you know, I've known Eddie since 95, 96. Yeah. So I've known Eddie for a very long time. And I knew that he played drums. Mm-hmm. But when he locked in with us, I was like, yeah, I can't. I can't mm-hmm. let this guy just like. And, and I even remember one time we were driving home and you were just like, what, what do you think is Eddie as a drummer? I was like, he's surprisingly good. And you're like, I, I think we might want to get him for Biggie. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, him and him and you, you and him did a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like it was fun. It was, you know, you came up, you came along as a bass player great like you know you you developed as a bass player real yeah, great because I, I didn't even play bass much at that point either yeah. i just knew guitar you know you went from basically playing root notes to you know having runs and doing yeah. fun stuff yeah that kind of became the lead instrument in between uh, your guitar solos yeah because actually on uh, some of the new stuff we were writing you were like can you mimic my guitar thing yeah, and so well, there was moments we were even well, locking in you know, that and fun here's and, and i feel this way to this day because of my skill set of playing guitar mm-hmm. is super basic right I, I am really in that Johnny Ramon Joe Young pool that's, yeah. that, that's the water that I wade in I always want my bass player to do more than me I always want my bass and, and, and I feel like it's a pretty good trade off because I'm singing yeah you know I, I want to just be able to ring out chords and, 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 and downstroke chords yeah because I'm also going to be the guy singing I like for my bass player to do the fun stuff. I like mm-hmm. for him to do the walks and the runs and the. And you would definitely give me direction too, because there were times I was trying to just kind of lay back and play more of what you guys were. But you were times you were like, play something. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, honestly, you kind of pushed me to kind of learn a little bit more bass walks and that stuff because you were just like, hey, I need you. You know, Mike's not playing nothing. I'm not playing nothing. You got to play something. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that's the good thing about a lot of this kind of music, and especially the stuff that I write. Is that there? I leave a lot of wide open spaces for for people to do things right. interesting, especially if you know. I I think that you you know you probably know about this. Whenever you when you're doing a song, <clears throat> there is a time where there should be interesting, cool, musiciany things going on, right? And there should be a time for play the fucking song <laughs> yeah stay in the pocket because someone's gonna be singing yeah but there's like moments where like a cool drum part could be part of the song exactly. too and I feel like the songs that the that, that I have written and still write to this day there's a lot of opportunity for someone that is that wants to show off to do that mm-hmm. without crowding the song so you know yeah. right you know and I said this on the other and I said this on the Gabba Gabba Hey podcast you know that last lineup of Biggie did a wonderful job. I mean, mm-hmm. like I, I, I felt like those last couple of years of shows, especially after Eddie kind of like really got his, you know, got some things together in his mm-hmm. own personal life. Yeah. I felt like we never had a bad show after that, and I felt oh, like we absolutely. Were, I, I felt like after after Eddie kind of got his his health in order and got his life together, like like a champ. Oh yeah, like overnight almost. I feel like once that happened, like every show we played was was great. Yeah, and I and I can't think of any bad show. I mean, I'll, we would do shows at uh, at the with Common Market. Mm-hmm. I remember th- those were great. We did, you know, and that's a hard show to pull off because the Philans played there, and we did not have a good show. That's a hard show to play. The, we went to Wilmington. That was, you know, those were that fun. Was good. I think we did one or two shows there. 
I think one of them may have been with so with, Reggie's in Wilmington, or am I yes. thinking somewhere else? No, okay. it was Reggie's. It was Reggie's. Mm-hmm. We played in Wilmington quite a few times, actually, uh, in, with the in the Johnny yeah. era, because he he was from there, so we knew some people. But we played Reggie's once or twice, and they were both real good. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I was always real appreciative, and you know, I never really talked to you or Mike about it at at the time. You know, whenever that it you know, came to an end. Of course, you know, I went and became a truck driver. And right. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing is we were just like, oh, dad's just going to go run off, do his truck driving thing for a little bit. When he comes back, we'll make more rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wouldn't say I, I, much in the way that like the Dead Kings happened when, when, when that came to a close. I feel like I, I, I'd said all I needed to say. And really, I... I I could I could play those songs till the cows come home because yeah. I wrote most of them and they're fun songs to do and the, the songs that Mike wrote are great. Mm-hmm. I think Mike wrote probably the best, my favorite songs that we do. I was gonna say one hmm. of my favorite songs is yet to be officially released. Yeah, I know, girl, you gotta go. Uh huh. I my, love that, that one. That's my that's, favorite that's, song. That's probably my favorite song to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another one that showcases the band. You know? Yeah, exactly. And, and actually, I remember that one being written. That was 100% Mike when we were at the practice space. He was just using that as a warm-up. Yeah. And then Eddie just kind of looked over at him and did that same drum intro that we've got on the recording. Just like, pock a pock And then just started going in. And I started just fucking around doing a bouncy, almost like new wave bass well, riff on it. If, well, <laughs> well, if you remember, uh, the reason that kind of is because th- me, you, and Eddie were also in the, in the, the Gigi Allen mm-hmm. tribute, which... Guru You Gotta Go was kind of a, a take, I don't want to say a take, but it was kind of influenced um, by the Gigi song, that, that, the Jabber uh, song. Yeah, that, yeah. That, uh, that, that, that. Uh, don't Talk To Me. Don't Talk To Me. Yeah. So it was kind of like along that line, mm-hmm. and we you know, we all felt it whenever we did. Yeah. But it just, just so happened that Mike, who is not a Gigi fan in the slightest, he just came along with this with this really cool riff. And it just happened to kind of click with our little heads that we had just been playing all that Gigi material. Yeah, so, like, right. Ooh. <laughs> so it worked out real good. Um, and I could do those. I could do those songs till the cows come home. Yeah. I just kind of, I don't say I lost interest. I just felt like it just reached its, it reached its purpose. I feel okay. that. I understand. And, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't really even want to like do much mm-hmm. as far as, you know, and this is kind of, I don't know if you, you're, this is your structure. I don't know how. Oh, hey, no, hey, this is perfect. This is the structure. So, so uh, I l- r- sincerely had um, conversations with my wife and with myself about not playing music anymore. Like, 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 Okay, I got these amps. I got these guitars. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? They're just taking up space. I think I'm gonna sell them. Right. I say I'm gonna sell my amps. I'm gonna sell my guitars. Been a good ride. I'm a truck driver. My husband. Whatever. And then you know, do you think you'll ever live without having a guitar? No. Do you think you'll ever live without having a bass or a guitar? No. No. That will never happen. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I gotta figure this out. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get rid of it. I need to shit or get off the pot. <laughs> Otherwise, you need to just put it in the basement or put it ads on Craigslist, whatever. I need to get rid of it, make a decision, be a man, grow the fuck up. Yeah. So uh, I kind of made it. I said, you know what? I think I'm just going to record like a whole bunch of different songs with a whole bunch of different people, and I'm going to do this thing, this mm-hmm. big 
big thing that I have no fucking business doing. <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have no business like trying to write 15 kinds of songs with all these. Di- I can't. Even, it's hard to keep four guys to show up in the same fucking room together. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard enough keeping four guys on the same fucking page writing the same fucking kinds of songs. I'm sitting there going like, well, I think I'm gonna have. Ten different songs of all these different things that I you want know, to do that I don't even know how to do it or who to get to do it. Exactly, you just do it for you. So you know, I, I did want a couple things, and I said, I said, I thought to myself, you know what, I, this is never going to go anywhere. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. Okay, really have to get real about this, getting rid of my st- stuff. So I, I did that, and I thought, you know. Hail Mary Pass here. Mm. Last gasp. I, I kind of would like to just be a rhythm guitar player. I don't want to write songs. I don't want to care about them being good songs. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sing. I don't want to call musicians and coordinate shit. I don't want to make flyers. I don't care if people come to shows. I don't care if the records are good. All I want to do is turn my amp up to, to four. I want to point it, and I want to play in time with a drummer, and whatever, have some fun. Whatever yeah. happens, happens. I don't want. I don't even care about the songs being good. I just want to like play something loud. I don't want it. I want it to be aggressive. I don't want to say metal, but I want it to be hard, hard hitting, abrasive, just aggressive music. Aggressive music. Mm-hmm. Hell and yeah! And I was like, okay. I was like, okay. Let me see what I can kind of throw together. It's probably not going to work. But I'm going to give it a shot, and once this peters out, oh, yeah, I said, once I get something, I'm going to do it for a year. For a year. Yeah, yeah. you almost kind of did the germs thing where you kind of put a time limit on it. I said, we're going to, from our first show to the last, mm. because I'm not going to give a fuck about this stupid band anyway, <laughs> we're going to play for one year. Yeah. And we'll, our first show will be the first show, and the last show will be... As close as I can get to a year from that date. Right. Okay. We'll put a record out. I won't give a fuck about it because it'll just be, it'll be the most asshole shit I've ever done. <laughs> so then, of course, I reached out. You know, I found that there's a drummer in in my area. Mm-hmm. And Travis Overcash. I don't know if y'all know Travis. Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, we talked with uh, Travis for a little bit. We were mm-hmm. talking with him for joining. Well, I'm surprised he doesn't get calls all the time. Mm-hmm. He's a great drummer. So we, you know, um, you know, and he's, he's a fucking redneck drinks a lot of beer in in Cabarrus County yeah you know I love the guy to death he's just like me except I don't drink beer anymore right but, but he you know he's just a good old boy and yeah he, and he he's plays a great drums, dude and he's a, he's a super nice guy he's a and, sweetheart and I, I hit him up and then I hit uh, Terry I've known Terry for a long time mm-hmm. he plays in that band Penitentials yeah okay and he's you know he's he's just a old metalhead punk rock rock and roll guitar player you know i mean bass player and i you know i had always said you know hey you know if i if i do something else i'm gonna i'm gonna reach out to you because you know i thought well fuck terry i live here terry lives here and it works out yeah this this shitty little band i am not going to be in a year from now we can all like get together close by Mm -hmm. it'll be disposable cool awesome so it's just kind of like you have to do the Motley Crue thing where you sign a contract. <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is the end date. <laughs> well, you know, I felt like it was a good idea, and I thought I even thought like you know what, and this is before COVID even 
existed. Right. I shouldn't say way before. It was a little bit before COVID existed. Mm-hmm. Like I had the idea before the word COVID was out there. But by the time that we started practicing, it was already starting to kind of bubble up. Yeah. That being said, I thought it'd be kind of cool to like, to do this. Like, okay, for our first show, it's like, I didn't have a name for the band yet. But yeah. But like, uh, first show, like, stop talking, first show. And then the second show would be like, stop talking, second show, be under name art. And so like, <laughs> over, over the course of the year, it would be like, stop talking, 17th show like exclamation point like I, you know kind of be a dick about it and then, no you start selling them at the merch table like yeah. oh, one <laughs> <shirts. collectibles." laughs> and and um and also be like you know this is you know come see us now because it's only going to last for a year mm-hmm. and be like for real about it and then sell the flyers <laughs> exactly so uh that was the the plan the, the problem came in is that uh that first time that I got up with Travis, I'm like, okay, here's a song. We start playing and we get through. I was like, fuck. Damn it. It's good. Fuck, man. Son of a bitch. Oh, this guy's playing exactly the way I want him to. <laughs> Shit. Why'd you have to go and be good, Travis? Fuck. And then we, we go through, you know, I'm like, okay, well, let's try this one. And you actually played on one of these songs. So, bah, bah, da, 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 da. Oh, you're doing that one. Okay. I'll, I'll play you for that. I'll play that for you. Okay, later. okay. We, that's professionally. We recorded that. Oh, shit. Okay. But anyway, so... I was like, well, try this one. So then I play, and he plays it like a fucking million dollars. I'm like, I'm like, God damn, I can't even get like a bad band together. I'm this fucking then, good. Shit. I, well, not, not me. It's just like, it just, it's just fucking working out. You just and attract was, greatness. And I was like, God damn it. I didn't, I didn't, this is not what I wanted to be real good. So then I was like, okay, good. Well, I'm bringing Terry in. Maybe he'll make it sound like It ain't going to be three guys. It, it's, it's not going to be three guys on the same page. Of course, this is going to fuck everything up. So then, so then we do, after two practices with Travis, I bring Terry in. And Terry's like, okay, you know, I kind of showed him a little bit what the songs were like. And we took, and this is kind of a running joke now. Terry don't play through a bass amp. Does he play a guitar amp? Terry plays through a crate Solid state crate amp. No shit. Okay. It's kind of like when I plug into the this yeah, damn this little tiny rolling. <laughs> you think to yourself like, okay, first off, it's crate. Nobody in the history of sound <laughs> no. has ever been able to take a crate amp and like make it sound good. <laughs> That's what I felt. It, is, it wasn't even Terry's amp. It was it's Travis's amp. Someone, some, some, somebody just left his amp over there for years and forgot about it. Yeah. So now it's our amp. So I'm thinking, okay, we'll just play through this because Terry has one of those fucking refrigerator amp pegs. God. Eight, you know, I was like, eight by tens. I'm like, dude, just just play this shitty amp that he's got. It ain't gonna <laughs> sound good. Who cares anyway? I don't want the band to fucking be good. Just play that amp. Yeah. So Lo he behold. plugs into it and he starts getting it up, and I was like. You know, that's a solid state. It's probably, you can probably pull it or it probably has a distortion button, an overdrive. Hit that distortion. Sounds exactly like what I've ever wanted a bass to sound like. <laughs> it just so happened to sound like everything that I have. And I had bought pedals. I have, I have tried all kinds of pedals. I have I probably bought three pedals over the course of the Dead Kings when I was a bass player to, to have a good distorted bass sound. 
And you got the Ricky and everything too. Didn't I had you? a Rickenbacker. <laughs> I had a I had a full stack. I had a sun cabinet oh. that had that had two Doom. eighteen inch speak. That's some doom metal shit. It was the 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 stack was bigger than me. <laughs> I had I had everything that I had everything that I needed on bass except I didn't sound good. And then I'm and then I just kind of like say, well, just do that thing with that guitar <laughs> amp right over there. It's not going to work and. It'll probably be fine. And of course, it sounds like a million goddamn dollars. God damn it. <laughs> Little fucking crap. And I'm like, shit, of course it's going to be good. Because <laughs> I don't want it to be. I, don't, I just want it to be. So then we, you know, we start cranking them. And I'm, you know, I'm being facetious. In the end, it's been really good. Yeah. But it like, it shouldn't be as good for, for as serious as I wasn't taking it. Yeah. yeah. Like I have been much more serious with other bands and I, and I felt like I was swimming upstream and this one just like fell into my lap. Isn't that great though? Yeah, it is. It's yeah. like until, I, well, I, there's nothing bad about it yet. And, and I'm, I'm being real cautious to like, don't want to get too attached yet. No, no, not attached. I'm already attached. It's too late <laughs> <laughs> to not fuck it up. Mm. You know, like, cause there's part of me that's like, we'll be playing a song and I'm thinking, you know, that would probably sound good with a guitar solo. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to play it because I don't want to play any more goddamn guitar solos. Yeah. But I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe I ought to like reach out and like get another guy. <laughs> well, and also, I was trying to get another singer. You may even see where I put on Facebook at, yeah, the, I saw at that. a year from now. I was looking for a singer because I was going to get... I didn't see this. Yeah, this was a year ago. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, and and I, I can say it now because, I mean, he's my buddy. But, I mean, I was going to get Johnny Johnny Dick. Yeah. I, who, whose voice, I love his voice. And mm-hmm. I think he's a good front man. Um, I'll get him to sing. And, you know, he was into it, the thought of it. But I think that, you know, he lives far away. It just wasn't going to work. And I yeah. reached out to some other people. And I was met with, like, a little bit of interest I don't blame anybody for not really wanting to like take take the marker and run with it. Right. I understand. It, it's a new band. It's a it's it's the beginning part of it, and that part's not any fun ever. So I was like, well, God damn it! I guess I got to be the singer. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask who's singing in this now. Yeah, it's me. But I'm glad I am. Yeah. Uh, just being a rhythm guitar player. There's no pressure to like have to do any kind of solos, so it's like okay, singing is is gonna be is gonna be all right. Plus, the singing is what I wanted to be. Whereas if I got somebody else, if they were a little too clean or a little too whatever, I, I would be trying to change things. This way, I know exactly what I'm getting. Yeah. yeah. And you know, there's part of me that's like, well, I should you know I should get a singer. I should get another guitar player. Uh, for leads or whatever and it's like I know that if I did that mm-hmm. you would get exactly what you want <laughs> well it would be too much stuff in the, in the pot gotcha like, 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 like the, the analogy before we were recording is mm-hmm. yep. like the, the, the vegetable stew the beef stew is, is great the way it is don't need to be add more shit to it then it's just not going to be beef stew anymore yeah and um so right now you know and i'm conscious of that and i'm just like you know what we all get along like 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 brothers like yeah. we're we get along great uh i will say um this is like kind of some serious things uh, i don't know if anybody saw this uh terry my bass player his he just suffered a loss uh 
I guess three days ago. His brother, mm. they no, found, I didn't his, see that. his brother passed away, oh, and his brother, his brother is a was a wrestler for for NWA. Really? Oh wow! Uh, yeah, he was uh, in the NWA National Wrestling Alliance, which is owned by Billy Corgan. Yeah, that story is nuts. Yeah, and um, yeah, Cap's a huge wrestling fan. Yeah, so well, I keep up with like the legacy uh, yeah. things of it, and like I'll listen to like uh, all the Bruce, podcasts. Yeah, Bruce Pritchard and Bruce Con- Pritchard was the other corny. Yeah, there's Conrad Thompson. Conrad Thompson, and he's got one with uh, Kurt Angle now that he just started. Oh, Conrad Thompson does. Yep. Oh, that'd be good because I I like Conrad Thompson stuff. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but uh, yeah, his uh, uh, Terry's brother, uh, his name is Joseph Joseph Hudson, and he you know, he passed away. Yeah. Uh, um, his his their mother found him in you know in his in his upstairs in nashville which oh wow you know and terry i don't know if terry's on his way there right now or not but of course he's devastated and, right yeah. uh but his brother was you know wrestled for the nwa and he was did you see the the dark side of the ring oh yeah he played the bruiser brody oh and all the reenactments yes he was the bruiser brody wow. for that so you know um and i'm you know i think that's awesome to say that yeah exactly because uh, it showed show his accomplishments, uh, but yeah. I, I'm you know I'm gutted for uh, for Terry. Yeah, definitely condolences to the family on that. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll pass those along. Um, well, I'll ask you this: um, so you were kind of saying it felt like you kind of said everything you needed to say with the hive. With stop talking, what is the new like motivation and message and vibe that you're kind of putting across on this that you felt that. It's kind of now more fulfilling than what the hive was giving well, you. Know, you when I was when I was in uh, punished and early on, I felt like I had a huge chip on my shoulder. Mm. Of like what? Just something to prove. The the same chip on my shoulder that most young men have mm. when they're nineteen, twenty, twenty five. You know, like when you're younger, you have a chip on your shoulder because you have a lot to prove. You have an idea of the way you think the world works. Um, you know, you you're constantly taking a fucking kick in the balls every time you turn around, whether it be from from females, uh, job, jobs, life, yeah. life um, friends, mm-hmm. quote unquote friends. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like those motherfuckers, like reality, just kind of becomes yeah, you know, reality. So, so when you're when you're younger, <laughs> you know, when you're younger, you have those. You know, you're way more. I don't want to say sensitive to it. They affect you a lot more. Right. So you have that huge chip on your shoulder. And musically, it can produce some awesome things. Yeah, Which exactly. At the, at the time I was doing my first band, it did. I mean, it was not long for this world because we weren't going to get along for very long. Right. in that setting but we made some really wonderful music together because of the chip on the shoulder mm-hmm. that, that we had especially myself being the the, the the MC of the thing and as time you know in the Dead Kings you know some of that chip a lot of that chip on my shoulder kind of went away as I got older because you know I, I feel like you know I was I was approaching problems with a little bit I don't think zen that sounds so goddamn <laughs> that, that sounds so that sounds so like, like more I, maturity honestly just with I was just being realistic about things it, there you it, go realistic it, it, it's harder to get under my skin on a lot of things now and it's I don't have at the time that I was doing those bands I didn't have as much of a chip on my shoulder mm-hmm. and um 
but you know i've kind of started having a chip on my shoulder not about anything in particular as far as like any one person or any any political thing Mm -hmm. anything that's going on in the world those kind of play into it but just kind of seeing a lot of the um, contradictions that that and this is a human nature thing yeah that that people allow themselves to traps that people get into yeah uh, with with regard to what they believe the way that most people feel that they are on the um they on the quote-unquote this is a stupid saying the right side of history yeah or, or <laughs> you know or like i don't feel that i don't feel that that i myself for for my beliefs mm. have everything figured out or that i'm always on the right side of things yeah. right and i feel like that we live in a world today where you have to be right or, about everything or and, it goes back to that conversation we had earlier about how everybody has to have an enemy too everybody has to have an enemy every everybody there has to be the bad guy to blame for everything and it's like if you really if you really like get objective about it which objectivity is gone yeah if you get real objective about things and i'm not again this isn't about politics at per, all per se if you really get objective about things there's no there's nothing is nobody is is 100 good yeah. or 100 bad and you are lying to yourself if you think that you're on the right side of everything yeah because nobody is 100 percent. that has put a chip on my shoulder not so much that like it makes me angry to everybody but i have definite feelings that transcend politics ways of the world it has to goes to the to the 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 human nature of people that yes that line to themselves and that has put a chip on my shoulder that makes me real angry mm-hmm. i was gonna say i started seeing a little yeah. bit of that bubble up because uh that, that felt very reminiscent of uh some lyrics to another song that uh, we were writing around that same time in uh biggie which one uh everyone needs a swastika yes um, always uh, is the chorus like everyone uh, needs a brand new swastika you, everyone you needs know, someone new to fight I, i'm i'm kind of surprised I, I didn't get bashed over that one because it had the word swastika in it because of course i'm not I'm not condoning swatch because I mean I think no, I think but the, but the message vile. was you you had a very interesting message to give on that one yeah, yeah. And, and luckily because I didn't ever get like beat over the head with that song I, I guess people got it yeah they they, they got there were plays they they got the the message of it and and that and that message is that the people who who want to stir things up for whatever reason they do so and they come to realize that they can only get so much mileage out of whatever it is the bad guy is yeah you know so it's like every 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 time you turn around they having to change out like the this, new bad guy it's the, the, it's the new marvel villain the new mm-hmm. bad guy the new the new symbol that pisses everybody off and this is this is left right i know it it's everybody you know um 
you know, we're seeing it in politics with like, okay, well, this person isn't really around anymore, so who's the new bad guy? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you it'll know? just be the next thing. It's like, uh, I'll say, like TV commentators. You hate this one guy? Well, he's going to, you know, either get fired or quit one day and he'll be gone forever, but then they'll get the next version of that yeah. or a next generation version of it. And, and yeah, so I, I I think that's going to be really interesting kind of seeing where, you know, stop talking kind of leads with that more of the aggressive and kind of getting back to almost your roots because you're kind of alluding to that kind of with punish. And then, and then there's some like some some current day things that were kind of, um, you know, some of it's kind of dating myself a little bit. But I, I you know, I, I'm 47 and I was in my early 20s whenever Henry Lewis Wallace was arrested for you know he was a serial killer in here yeah. in charlotte yeah. most people don't know about it that's that's much younger than me because you know no one pays attention to the news or what's going on when you're in your when you're 15 yeah but you know henry lewis what henry lewis wallace was a serial killer that he's sitting in prison right now this is almost 30 years later my song isn't about him as like hey you know this guy killed people this is like wait a second 30 fucking years ago this guy killed all these women mm-hmm. why why is he still there yeah <laughs> like he got the death penalty <laughs> like 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 oh, i'm gonna say 30 years now charge me for the electricity <laughs> i'll buy i will buy i will buy the uh the, the lethal injection i'll pay for it put it on my medicare <laughs> is, is that the problem why is this motherfucker still alive <laughs> yeah I, 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 sound I, like, get, I sound like seinfeld now why is right. this motherfucker still alive <laughs> what is the deal with the death penalty <laughs> why, why is he why is this guy still alive so we wrote a song about that um wrote a song about uh, the Susan Smith case. So I think most people remember the Susan mm-hmm. Smith. You know, I don't. Talk oh, about that one. Well, there was a woman uh, exercising the uh, children. Wasn't that what it was? No, the demons. No, no, it wasn't that. She, she had a. Uh, she was. I guess she was cheating on her husband, and she had a boyfriend. And the boyfriend. I don't know. I can't really say what the boyfriend said but she had it in her head she was not going to be able to run away with this new boyfriend because she had kids Mm, so what she did she took her kids to a local lake in south carolina union south carolina strapped them in and rode it into a lake oh Oh, god then uh... then she i guess when she gets to wherever she was she made a phone call and said she was carjacked that she was carjacked and they came in and of course and when I say I mean this was a national like Oprah I think this was Oprah flew in for this shit like (laughs) not even joking everybody was like oh my god like they kidnapped these two kids you know they they, they carjacked them and it's it was a everybody was believing it and Hmm. then I guess because you know they're they're police officers and they 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 know the signs to see and yeah they, they weren't feeling real good about it and they eventually got her to be like, yeah, they're in the bottom of the lake. I think uh, South Park kind of did a parody of uh, this whole story. I was going to say, I, did, I think South Park did touch on that. With Butters being the kid that was uh, left in the car. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. It, which would make sense because, I mean, that that happened around. I mean, I South it, Park's been going on for, what, 50 years now. So, <laughs> yeah. so of course, they probably touched it. on it. Um, 
But no, so, what, what was? I'm sorry, not to go too far off, but since we're kind of just going down the morbid rabbit hole, which we will do from time to time on this show anyway. What was the case I was thinking of where it was that crazy Christian lady and thought the only way she could save her children and exercise them from demons was basically just cutting them up? I don't know, but because I, I feel like I, I would do a song about that if, if I if I remembered that. Is, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um. That that's kind of the the lyrical content y'all kind of want to go through is just some of that real life morbid. Yeah, some of the things and 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 uh, like we do a song uh, about the the Kennedy assassination, and that's that's really because I'm a big. You read up on all of that stuff. I'm a big Kennedy assassination buff, and I have my you know I have my ideas, and but really not just so much. I have my theories, and I mean, I still have my questions about it. And to me, it's, it's fascinating. It's just yeah. with all the with the Warren report. And all, it was the Warren report, right? The Warren the Warren Commission. Commission. Report. That's the what Warren it was. Commission. Yeah, I'm just kind of like catch the peripherals and, and, of it and here everything and there. They, everything that they left out of the Warren Commission that that the Warren. I mean, that Warren was like, yeah, we ain't gonna talk about it. We're not gonna talk about him going down to Cuba. Uh, JF, I mean uh, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald going down to Cuba. If he if he did, right? Yeah. They, they didn't want to talk about it. all that stuff. Has been was omitted from the from the actual delivered report. It's like in the whole Lee Harvey Oswald story is just a whole fucking you know thing in itself too. I mean, as soon as they arrested him, he said, "I'm a patsy." Yep. Well. Okay, was he a patsy? So I mean, that's what gets the ball rolling. It's like, well, I got to find out about this now. What the fuck yeah. does that mean? <laughs> it's time to go down the and rabbit that hole. That created the whole <laughs> culture of conspiracy. And, you know, and, and I've been—I mean, I've been to Dealey Plaza, so of course that just feeds my my interest <laughs> in it. You know, I've been to Dealey Plaza. I, I still, and of course, there was the guy with the pamphlets, probably yelling off in the corner. No, there was guys out there wanting to give tours. Oh, okay, and it just guys that you know not much older than me like saying oh yeah it was over here and it was over here it's mm-hmm. like okay you weren't there but yeah well i was gonna say because when uh when i did uh merch for any scene for that one tour mm-hmm. uh we stopped down there and oh, yeah did the, you? yeah and there was like one guy off in the corner with the pamphlets yelling and of course we all go trotting on over there to tell us about it yeah. <laughs> i want to know your theory sir uh-huh. <laughs> so he um so we we do a song about that we do a song um I'm trying to think uh i did one about epstein Really? What's that? All right. Because, I'm curious to hear this. Well, well, I mean, again, it's not like saying that he's he is. Uh, I mean, everybody's kind of like, kind of has kind of uh, beat that to a dead horse. You know, yeah. Epstein, Epstein did, didn't kill himself. He, he didn't and kill all himself, that. and you know, like the chorus of the song was like, "Is it suicide? Is it homicide uh, from someone on the inside?" You know, it's it's yeah. Like a, you still have to talk about things, but also it's like, well, wait a second. All you powerful people knew about this guy for 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 years. Yeah. Oh yeah. ABC, ABC Network had the fucking story. I can't wait it, to hear this entire album. <laughs> ABC had this whole entire. They had the whole thing. They had witnesses. They had testimony. Well, not test like court yeah, testimony, yeah, yeah. but they had testimonials from. From the girls that were like brought in, yeah, to be his little, you know, his things. His, yeah, that's his, definitely a fucking network, and it has ABC went and said, "I have the story," and ABC was like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. Epstein isn't a name. It's not, you know, we don't." That's how, and people forget that's how fucking journalism works. Exactly. I watched a documentary on Nexium uh, on Max, and they wouldn't uh, run a story on Nexium at the time because you know so many, the Harvey Weinstein thing was going on and uh, that wasn't you know the Nexium thing wasn't you know famous or quote unquote sexy enough yeah 
Yeah, but because Weinstein was he, you know, he, he was the news. He was Hollywood. He was, the news. he was old Hollywood. But here's the thing: before before that, all those people knew about him. Yeah, they knew that he was he was a casting couch kind of director or a filmmaker, and and that the the horrible things he did, but. It's kind of like one of those where they talk about where like I've heard things about Harvey mm-hmm. and shit like but that. But the thing is, the story will always be a, the story now is always going to be like that piece of shit motherfucker. Uh-huh. It, it's never going to be those fucking actors that are are like still re- revered and loved today. They knew about it. Well, why isn't anybody? Why isn't anybody like? looking at them and pointing and being like you people are just as much well you people are pieces of fucking shit too yeah and i'm just a fucking schmuck dude that has my opinion but me playing this kind of music like when i see those things that make me angry it puts a ship on my shoulder and it's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna change their world any but it mm-hmm. you know that's 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 me. I'm gonna. Yeah, but this is your way of kind of getting that release is by yeah, playing it's, that it's, aggressive it's, music. It's the, it's the therapeutic part of you it. You know, and and I can you know, I can, I did my time writing songs about uh, hot black chicks and salami comic tsunamis. books. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> comic songs, and those were great. But you know, I have a different set of eyes today, and I have a yeah. different, you know I have a different chip on my shoulder than I did way back then and that's just kind of stuff that I want to do now so so what you're meaning to tell me is we can't expect a WandaVision song anytime soon I won't won't do a WandaVision song Um, but uh, do a theme song actually if I was to do a WandaVision song it it would probably have to be Frank Zappa who would do that because because I wouldn't be able to work that much I mean really how would you write a song like that because at this point who even knows what the song would be about? <laughs> I was thinking just write one of their little like uh, fake TV show di- uh, jingles. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you know since we're kind of talking about that stuff now, I, yeah. I, I'll tell you they did a. Um, Which, by the way, for people listening, potential spoilers for Wandavision all the way up to the second to the last episode that's now aired. I think yeah. we're up to episode eight. Yeah, so yeah, potential spoilers not, for not, any WandaVision talk it, up to it, this point. It's the next to last episode is next week. Oh, oh, next and last. Okay, I thought we only had one more episode. Yeah, we do. It's the next to last. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. next week is the last. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, when they did those fake TV shows, mm-hmm. the fake, like they did their homework. Oh, yeah. dude, yeah. It's like, Fucking! Uh, I think the one that surprised me the most was the Malcolm in the Middle. It's Malcolm like, oh, in the we're middle. doing that. Malcolm in the Middle, and and I wasn't even a huge fan of that show, but like they fucking knew, <laughs> they immediately yes. knew what it was they, starting off. They they and even like the early stuff, like when they did the um they did the Dick Van Dyke. Yes, yeah. the intro bit. You know they they did their homework on that stuff. I mean the little nuances of that what made those just the the hairstyles and the fact that you know she would wear. You know, well, when Dick Van Dyke started, women didn't wear pants. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. women didn't wear legged pants. But when Dick Van Dyke started, you know, around that time, you started seeing Mary Tyler Moore wearing legged pants. And they, they, they did every single little thing, music. Film quality. All, all, film quality. All well, I was going to say, nice. that's the fun behind the scenes. Those early black and white ones, they actually used film of the time uh-huh. to shoot it. And oh, a live yeah. studio audience, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I'm just a big fan of that. I know that you re- you can read comments. Of course, you know, 
comment section. Fucking yeah. comment section. I mean, <laughs> face, Facebook is one big comment section. Everybody, yeah, it is. Everybody has everybody has an, an opinion on that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think everything that Marvel's ever done in the MCU has been 100% great. Absolutely. But I will give them credit. They are not afraid to take chances and do something that hasn't been done. And to me, that that WandaVision show is like, it's it's part MCU, it's part Twilight Zone, it's part the Truman Show, exactly. it's part X-Files. Yeah. And again... And so... But at its core, it's a fun comic book story. It is a it is a fun story. Now, I will tell you, I don't know how much of the source material you guys are familiar with. Me, not whatsoever. I'm, I'm a good bit brushed up, especially now. Usually, when I know there's a property coming up, I try to do at least a little bit of comic book research <laughs> and history, so I I feel like I know where they're heading with this. Okay, well, you know, they're 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 really going to lean real hard on the multiverse mm-hmm. you know that's going to be Doctor Strange multiverse of madness and even the new Spider-Man, Spider-Man is supposed to be yep. you know and well, then, even the, they put the title out uh, the yeah, other day uh, uh, No Way Home No Way Home which so, that to me says he got lost in the multiverse well he can get lost in the well No the, Way Home you know they're trying to build up hype the, 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 the multiverse I mean uh, the Spider-Man is I think it's going to be Something different, but I, okay. I, it's going to be fun. They're saying it's going to be as big as Endgame. Really? That's what they're saying. Mm. And right. the people, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I think that those guys are smart. Hey, they've yet to ever since about Ragnarok. They've yet to disappoint me. You, so you didn't see Captain Marvel? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Captain Marvel. I, honestly, I did right. forget so about did, that one. So you didn't see Captain Marvel. I <laughs> honestly did forget that. And you know what? Fuck the real quick. So you're here's my comic book chip. Fuck these people saying we don't like strong, independent uh, female characters. This new WandaVision show, I cannot wait to see Monica Rambeau in full fucking force kicking ass. Well, the, she is an awesome character. The people that say that there's not enough like strong, strong women characters, I mean, that's fine to say that. I, whatever. It's not right. I mean, it's, it's, it's not. It's factual. Not, it's not our fault. It's uh, Stan Lee's and fucking uh, Kirby's. <laughs> Kirby's. Yes. It's, it, it's not their fault because they have been making those 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 great characters, and they and they've been they've made plenty of comic book century female movies. Yeah. I mean, you just have to dig for it. Yeah. You anybody that thinks that they don't watch those movies, they don't they don't have an interest in it. But this whole thing, especially like from from. Um, Event Age of Ultron mm-hmm. till now has really been more around around Scarlet Witch anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of like they kind of like bent the whole the whole MCU universe around her for the last for the last couple. And then I'll have to rewatch all those with that in mind after watching WandaVision now because originally and, it was Robert Downey Jr. and Tony Stark. And, and the problem, and the, I honestly don't see that much of a problem with it because Scarlet Witch is a perfect entryway for them getting the X-Men in this universe. Well, so I thought it was kind of smart for them to kind of start focusing on her the last few movies. The, the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're going to use this. Well, they've already mentioned the Fantastic Four. Have they mentioned them? Not by name. But the aerospace engineers? They said, yeah, some of those guys haven't, you know, we haven't 
you know, we haven't seen or we, uh-huh. we've lost. I forget what they said, but they alluded to like they're missing. Oh, I, I actually mentioned that to Cap uh, earlier when that episode hit. I was like, ooh, I bet you during the snap, something happened and in space and they got fucked up during the snap. Well, they're also, they're also like if, 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 that the, the chick that's from, uh, I forget her name because she's, she's not interesting enough to me, but she's the, she's the one that was in Thor. Oh, the uh, the the snotty the, yeah, the snarky with, chick, with, yeah, with, with the, the glasses, with, the, with, with yeah, with the voice I can't stand. <laughs> I thought she, I, I, rewatching that the, when it got to that carnival scene and like that outfit she was wearing, I was just like, hot damn, she's stacked. I forgot about that. <laughs> no, she, she she's she's she is attractive. Uh, I just always called her one broke girl. Oh yeah, 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 that TV yeah. Show. <laughs> Was she anyway? She um. She was talking about. She was telling Monica Rambeau, "You, uh, you can't, you can't have those those cosmic waves or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Like too much is going to change your DNA. It's already changing. Mm -hmm. Well, them saying that first off is going to." is going to be the vehicle for putting her in, in a superhero. Yeah. Thing. Well, she was photon. Yeah. Well, originally Captain Marvel. Yeah. They're already doing that. But, but what they're also doing is that they're going to tell you how, how the fantastic four is going to be created because those missing, those, those missing, um, missing aerospace engineers are going to, they're going to talk. You're going to hear more about, Absorbing cosmic wave, it's going to okay. change your DNA. So, so, Ooh. so, so already doing that with uh, Vision at the end of that last episode. Yes. Well, that. Oh, I got so that white I vision. Said, yes. I mean, spoilers. The white vision. Yeah. That, that's an old comic thing from the seventies. Uh-huh. That, okay. That's vision. So that remember what I, I I've said. I think I said something to you. I said. Uh, uh, they do some. Oh, that's what it was. Right when you started, I said, "Watch past the mid credit." I said because they do something that comic book fans are going to freak out over, which they were rumored to do it during in or during um well before Endgame, Infinity War, when Thanos ripped the gem out of uh, Vision's head and he had turned gray. Yeah. People were thinking at that point, oh, they're going to boot him back online. He's going to be White Vision. Okay. White Vision. Is vision void of any emotion? He has no personality. So he's just a robot. He he has no loyalty. Yeah, he doesn't know who the Avengers a, he's are. A, he's a sentient weapon. Yeah, mecha mecha vision. Yeah. So <laughs> so that as soon as I saw that, it was like number one, you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. wayward, you piece of shit. <laughs> but the the importance of white vision will only last for an episode or two. He's it, gonna die. It, it, well, yeah, I don't know. See, I'm thinking because they've been proven that Vision can't exist outside of the hex mm-hmm. the way he in, inside. Right. But now there's going to be this this body. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking at, when it's all said and done, mm. White Vision mm-hmm. is going to become Real Vision at some point mm-hmm. because you know she, you know you saw the way she created life. Right. I just think that at some point that like his consciousness is going to go into white vision or I hope and it'll be back to regular vision now see it's possible I 100% subscribe to that if Disney wants to play it safe I personally feel like because there was a very important line that Wanda dropped in this last episode when talking to Agatha which by the way worst kept secret in the show being Agatha Harkness but it was still such a cool reveal well 
I like. I mean, I like. I like that actress. Me and oh yeah, she's great. Dusty and I were talking, and you know, I think she's you know she's, she's real pretty. Yeah, she's weird pretty. Mm-hmm. Right, but <laughs> but she's you know she's pretty and she's interesting. Yeah, she makes a great a great bad a great villain. Yes. She does. I always remember her as the uh, the weird wife character in uh, Step Brothers. Oh okay. <laughs> Oh, she was the stepbrothers. Yeah, she was the one that was hitting on John, uh, John oh, C. Riley in that movie. I, I have to watch that again. <laughs> anyway, um, so I, you know, with the the Agatha Harkness, um, I felt like uh, she is really more of a of a Doctor Strange. She is, character. and she and she actually kind of helps Wanda a little bit in yeah. the comic series now. But also, she was older. Like in the mm-hmm, in the comic, she was older. an older woman. Uh, I would be lying if I said that I know a lot about her. Right. I mean, I, I, grew, I have a very elementary. I, it's kind of like, like deep cuts, isn't it? Yeah. If you're a Doctor Strange fan, like like Eddie Ford is a huge Doctor Strange fan, so he could probably he could probably tell you the 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 minutia of that character and the in the his little section of the you know of the Marvel universe. Gotcha. I just know about her. It's like I said, it's more peripheral. But yeah. I, I mean, I've always known about her. So whenever she said, I guess on the the previous episode at the very end, she was like, you know, she said her name, and I was like, okay, I'm not surprised, but she should be like an old woman. Yeah, <laughs> she should be old, and, and you know, she might she might take that form because mm-hmm. we saw that she was super young in the 1800s. Yeah. She yeah. looked exactly the same. So, so. she she might uh, take that form at some point, but. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I well, the thing I I feel like if Disney wants to go balls out and truly set up the MCU moving forward for some crazy multiverse shit. So this entire time, Agatha was talking to her, kind of going, "How did you do this? You know, I know basic shit like this and doing like the tiny stuff with the cicada." She's like, "You're doing chaos magic, bitch. How the fuck are yeah. you doing this?" Yeah, I love that they're implementing chaos magic yeah. into the fucking Marvel <laughs> universe. So I think because. She created Vision out of nothing in the Hex. So that's why he couldn't exist outside of it. We initially thought that she stole the body. Mm-hmm. That's what Wayward wanted us to think. She created him out of nothing. She created the children out of nothing. I feel like it's going to get to a point where White Vision enters the Hex or something happens... He actually takes down Vision, but that secret guest that we don't know who's going to pop up is going to show up and take care of White Vision. And then Wanda is going to have her full meltdown. And that's what's going to cause the full multiverse. Because she said the one thing she wanted to do was, I want to bury him. I want my closure. I want to bury him. Unless she gets to bury White Vision, I think she's going to have an absolute meltdown and cause a huge multiverse split. Well, she has traditionally, over the years, been a bad guy. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense, and it also makes sense that, like, I'm not saying that when the next the next episode is over that Vision's going to like be the Vision. He's like, yeah, hey, yeah. you know, all's good. High five. Right. No, I ain't gonna be like. <laughs> um, I very much think that he might die. Yeah. I'm saying at some point. Because we all love the comeback, mm-hmm. you know that's part of the story. There will be a vision. There will be a Paul Bettany as Vision. Yeah, and that white one might be the reason why. Yeah, at some point, 
I'm being real broad about that. Right. Um, as far as her, you got the finish, but you don't have the exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but see, there's also a couple other things there. Like, okay, I was like, I've been kind of hemming and hawing about what I think the big the big reveal is going to be. Who's, right. Who's going? Okay. The smart money is Doctor Strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the smart money. Yeah. Because first off, there's a movie coming out mm-hmm. that that him and her are both gonna, are you know they're both going to be in Spider Man. Secondly. It just would make sense that they would have Doctor Strange and not Spider Man or something yes. like that. <laughs> because, because you know, since since the the battle is is, I don't like using the word magic because, I mean, I guess magic it, it is magic even though witchcraft yeah. even even though her power isn't witchcraft. They're not shooting lasers or anything like well, that. But but the Scarlet Witch's power isn't witchcraft. It's not spiritual. Mm-hmm. She she got her power from Infinity Stone. Right. Yeah. So, whereas, you know. There is a, a a deity behind pagan witchcraft. So, okay. oh, and also one thing that actually is kind of an important detail that they're kind of that they did in this last episode to help bring in mutants. They she said, uh, remember when they did the pause with the Stark mm-hmm. uh, thing, and she was like, "You used your probability uh, magic in order to keep the bond from going off." So there, are, that little seed right there meant that she was born with that power. And that the Infinity Stone amplified it. Because she said the Infinity Stone amplified what would have laid dormant and went away. Well, So I think that's going to be their backdoor thing of going, hey, there's been mutants all along. We've just now found a way to bring it to the surface. Well, the problem, the, if that's the case, mm-hmm. you know who her dad is. Yeah. Okay, okay. Magneto. Magneto's her dad in the comic book. Yeah. He is the father of both... Of both Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I know, because I'm just Jeff Williams in Cabarrus County, (laughs) I know that. Yeah. I have to know with, I would, you know, Kevin Feige knows that. Yeah. Marvel knows that. Wait a second. That's okay. We're not just going to let that slip past us. We're not going to let that opportunity slip past us. Mm -hmm. But instead, like, they just had some stock actors play her mom and dad, and they yeah. yeah. died. Now, technically, her dad's Magneto. Right. And Michael Fassbender is old enough to be, play somebody's dad at this point. Yeah. I wonder if, honestly, I wonder if Disney would pull out a big dick move and be like, hey, that little no-name guy? Yeah, guess what? He is going to be Magneto. I don't think they were going to do that, because... They want to try to tie things together as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I think more what you're going to find out is probably that's not her dad. Oh, mm, foster okay. parent situation, maybe. I, maybe not. Okay. All I'm saying is I can't see how they can bring in other versions of her dad that have nothing to do like that or nothing alike. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, you know, the Quicksilver they brought in wasn't the Quicksilver from Age of Ultron. No, that, that was, was the Fox one. That X-Men. was the Fox one. Mm-hmm. So it's like they did that on purpose. Oh, absolutely. They could have easily got the Fox, I mean, the, the, the Age of Ultron Quicksilver, mm-hmm. but they didn't. They did it on purpose because yep. they're saying, hey, that they Fox. They recast him. That Fox, we're acknowledging that Fox. That's, yeah. the, that's the wink and nod. That's my best wink. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was their wink and a nod. That was their... That was them saying, 
yeah, we acknowledge the Fox mm-hmm, version exactly. of that character and everything that goes in that in the Fox. Now state. it's canon. Even if, even if it winds up being like what Agatha was saying, you know, Fatro, you know, so they clearly were making it it's a doppelganger kind so, of situation. So, so even if that's the case, that's still Marvel themselves acknowledging it. So you, the problem that we have here is, and this is where they get the, the luxury of multiverse because then they, they can just do whatever the fuck they want to do yeah. with the multiverse <laughs> and, be like, and the, be like, oh, we have this plot of multiverse. <laughs> now we have the entire fucking library. But you know what? Of all universes, it, I feel like Marvel's earned it. Like, DC has not earned it. They're well, trying to do multiverse with the Flashpoint movie coming up. I feel like they have not earned that. Um, I feel like with all the movies Marvel's done, they've earned the right to be able to go, hey, you know what? We're going to fuck around for a little bit, and if it doesn't work, hey, guess what? Multiverse, and we're going to go right back to that's it. That's Warner Brothers just trying to fucking cash in on shit that's working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and being a fan of both set of DC Marvel, they both did multiverse things. Like, like yeah. that. That's not a new concept. No, no. not at all. That, that's been going on for as long as. as it's know, just too. it's just the movie audience is now able to accept it. I feel like too early on it would have confused if, them. because it's if, the most consistent if, movie series probably. But if you look at, and I'm not saying that DC, I mean DC has not done the, the thing right, but to say that like DC. And Marvel have both pretty much been parallel, just except as far as like what they have wanted to take their stories. Right. DC just hasn't been good at it. Right. But exactly. They're, they're trying to. Then they're they're missing. They've only done like really one good movie for the whole M for the whole DCU, and that was the first Wonder Woman. Yep, I was about to say. Yeah. Watch that second one. Everybody. That second one's garbage. Everyone says the second one's garbage, and I'm, I trust them. But, <laughs> but 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 they they kind of are like on parallel trajectories. Just one's much better at it. Yeah, yeah. But like, okay, I'll give you an example. Did you see uh, Superman versus Batman? Yes. Okay. What was that movie about? Um, two people fighting and then eventually making up to fight a really big gray monster at the end. But ultimately, <laughs> the, the 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 core of the movie was the them coming movie, to an understanding of their backgrounds. The core of the movie is the public doesn't trust you. Mm. The public doesn't trust these superhero people to have their best interest at heart. Yeah, We cannot let them go unchecked. That was the first time that was probably brought up in a movie. In that, in, in, no, in the DCU. Yeah, because did they do at, that in Marvel the, first? At, oh at the, yeah, at the exact same time. Mm, okay. That movie and and Civil War came out within weeks, if not months, of each other. Yeah, I couldn't remember the release date. They dates. both came out right at the same time. They huh. were both running at the same time. Civil War was the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. There was the same. I don't say spirit, plot, whatever. Mentality. Uh, yeah, the whole focus of that movie is. You superhero people, you, we don't trust that you are. We have your best interest at heart. These companies made the exact same kind of movie mm-hmm. with the same focus at the exact same time, separate from each other. So, the fact that they both are doing multiverse stuff now, it's just I don't know if one's copying the other. If if DC's copying Marvel, then they're they need they're copying the wrong shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they need to copy how they make movies. Because Marvel has has the fucking science to it 
And it's just weird. It's also and again, hard. that's not coming from blind fanboys saying every single thing they've done is great. No, I mean, like we said earlier, Captain Marvel was a little bit of a mess, and and the second Iron Man, third Iron Man were forgettable. The first, first two, two Thors, Thors are terrible. Yeah, so it's like we're not blind fanboys. I'm sorry. I'll be the first to say it. I'll go ahead and half my friends will leave me on uh-oh, Facebook. Uh-oh. <laughs> Black Panther wasn't that fucking good. <laughs> I enjoyed Black it. Panther. It's fine. Black Panther had a lot of good fight, good action. So it's yeah, it's it, not it's not my favorite out of the series it, by any means it either. It was a good movie. I liked it, but was it as good as Thor Ragnarok? No, I, I wouldn't. No, yeah. the, was, Ragnarok's probably top three. Was it as done. good as Doctor Strange? Was it as good? Hell, I even I even kind of put Age of Ultron like on the low end for a while, but I've watched it a couple of times since, and it's really grown. I have it. changed my perspective on that. At first, it felt way too jumbled and messy, but then I watched it again. And I was like, okay, I'm following a little better. But Black Panther's character, great character, and mm-hmm. I think I love what they did with him as mm-hmm. far as like the suit. I love the you know rest in peace Chadwick Chadwick Boseman big fan yeah that movie the Black Panther was the highlight of um, the whole story no of uh, Civil Civil War War. yes he was the highlight of Civil War to me it was so cool him in that movie was the best part of that movie of of Civil War that and um, the guy that Captain America oh. fought at the beginning. Oh, uh, uh, Crossface. Yeah, or cr- Crossbones. Crossbones. Okay, that was that was cool. Yeah, I'd love to see that character longer. But uh, he was the best part. Uh, Chadwick Boseman was the best part of Civil War. Yeah, much better than he was in his own movie. Yeah, and, know, I, and I can understand. That's that. just me. But see, that, and that's nothing against the people who made that movie I guess you had to some characters don't need their own movie and that sounds horrible but the Hulk will never have a good movie with just him yeah they've they've tried (laughs) they have to put Hulk in a movie with somebody else yeah Mm -hmm. there has to be it has to be a buddy comedy Mm -hmm. like 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 Captain Ragnarok I keep saying Captain Falcon but it's just Falcon (laughs) it has to be you know some things you have to have a juxtaposition yeah you know you can't just have the green guy out just beating everybody up you have to have the the luke the abbott and costello mm-hmm. yeah dynamic. because he's the big you know big dumb exactly. monster so um and uh, the the situation with with the black panther is a little bit different and it wasn't a terrible movie i liked the movie just fine yeah it wasn't the best like people were just like oh it's oscar worthy it's, it's the best it's the best mcu movie and it's like no it's fun I'm like don't 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 buy into that hype. You're just saying some shit because, because some people that that don't watch these movies said that. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think my favorite is probably uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. I think. I think. I wouldn't say that my my favorite. I think that those movies though are the. That was a that was the best surprise to me because I went into the that best, not excited. The, the, the best surprise and like really the deck was stacked against them because yeah. the MCU when they when they did that first one the MCU was still kind of like trying to get its legs. The fact that they put the Guardians of the Galaxy movie out there with these characters that like let's be honest with you, even me as an old comic book nerd didn't really know these characters that well. No, to me, to me the Guardians of the Galaxy looked much different. There mm-hmm. was no Star Lord. There was no Gamora in in the in the the Guardians of the Galaxy that I knew. Yeah, we only got a glimpse of them at the very end of the second yes, one. at the very end of the second one. You got the the original at the very end. Um, so they were really, like, taking a big risk there. 
like making giving these unknown people their own movie. Right. Luckily, with really fun writing, good music, good storytelling, good storytelling, and the 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 Marvel comedy action ratio yeah. that, that they have perfected. And mm-hmm. it's like, and essentially, a, another space western. Let's, it's another uh, you know action adventure story. Yes. Well, see, they they use that movie to open up like, because your next couple movies, next it's going in that it's going Spacey in the direction, direction. where it's yeah. going to be like intergalactic thing. Exactly. And there will be there will the the, the what I like about what Marvel is doing is that Marvel is. Marvel's 10 years ahead of themselves. Like, they're looking 10 years ahead. Yeah. They know they can't do this thing forever. It's right. They, they, they can't do the intergalactic thing forever. They're always going to have, like, Earth-based, um, kind of, like, street-level type. Yeah, relatable characters. Relatable characters. And, and in, and in street-level positions, like, they will eventually bring over Daredevil. Yeah, that's already happening. Yeah, it's happening. And and uh you know they're going to use Charlie Cox. They're already yep. they're already doing that. The thing that is they're smart enough to know that you can only do this thing for so long. The the multiverse thing is only going to go on for so long because mm-hmm. if you, if you, if you make every movie be a multiverse type movie, it's like god damn, like yeah. I'm sick of it. Yeah. yeah th- this is going to be lit- like you know how they're like splitting up the phases of movies. Yes. Th- th- this is going to be a phase of multiverse. Everyone's going to get their own little multiverse movie and then after that movie. it's going to go back to and, some sort of normal. And TV show because they're kind of the WandaVision is kind of like going to be a movie. Like yeah. the whole thing's a movie. Yeah. Um did, did you watch the Daredevil TV show? I did. It, I, I, I watched was, the first couple episodes. I didn't I thought follow it was pretty one. good. I loved it. I, I thought that entire uh, the, everybody's first season was pretty good, except Iron Fist. I quit yeah, in the Iron middle Fist of it. Terrible. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't like Jessica Jones. Um, I thought it was fine. The, the white. I liked the bad guy. David Tennant is. Fu- is I'll watch him in anything. That was, too. He was. He outshone her. But I, I'll. You know. Whatever. I'll get back to it later. As far as like, if you remember, like. The, the Netflix MCU stuff. Yeah. Now, what was the underlying theme for most of those shows? Hell's Kitchen. But The Hand. Yeah. The Hand thing was in was in two, two Daredevil movies, Strong, The Defenders, and in the first Iron Fist. Okay. So... That that whole hand thing. Was, that was the Sigourney Weaver uh, yes. thing. Yeah. Well, that was the Sigourney Weaver was in um, was in the Defenders. That's what it was. But, yeah. but the hand, which was Madame Yao, she was the one that started. Like, right. I like, forgot about. It's been so long since I've seen these see, now. <laughs> see, so that whole like underground cult of like, you know, the, the these ninjas and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. As much of a fan as that stuff I am, I was getting fucking bored with. It. I'm like, God, damn, another movie with like fucking ninjas and, and, and the hand. So, so got to do homework. But see, if you remember, that wasn't under Marvel. That was under Netflix. Mm-hmm. They didn't have that Marvel uh, overseer looking down, going like, "No, nah, we need to wrap this up," because people don't have uh, an attention span that's gonna like that's gonna uh, it's gonna allow you to sit there and. 
tell this story that doesn't move yeah pretty rapidly well yeah. let me kind of ask you this so throughout the uh the first you know major you know story arc that we've had now first we had loki as kind of the overarching villain up until the first avengers movie Kind of like he—he he was kind of the first major bad because he—he released all the Chikari on New York and all that shit. Yeah. So, but then it kind of moved to Ultron was kind of the big bad, and then Thanos was the the final boss bad. Mm-hmm. Skipping over maybe the next couple smaller bads, who do you think they're gonna build up to the next final boss bad? Well, they, and they, say another five or six years. Well, the. Um... If you pay attention to like the the YouTube channels that talk about that stuff, I, mm-hmm. I do some of that. Yeah, you know when when you start talking about branches of the of the Marvel universe, you know you you start looking at things like the Fantastic Four. Well, Fantastic Four has several m- villains, but really. They're main bad guys, Doctor Doom. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like Batman. It's and, the Joker. Yeah, and also he's but he's also been a bad guy for the whole Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. I think that they have kind of been holding on to that. They were waiting for this whole Fox deal to come through so that they can use, you know, kind of kind of using um, Doctor Doom without the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. They realized that a lot of people would be like, eh. I kind of want to see him with the Fantastic Four. Yeah. So when they got him, they were like, "That's going to be the next thing." I think. I think you're going to see some of that, but I also think. I really feel like, how can I put this? Once they barely touching on it. Mm-hmm. Once you start hearing the word mutant, mm-hmm. like really hearing the word mutant, mm-hmm. it's over. Now, I don't say over like. It's no good anymore, but it's X Men. It's gonna be X Men. Mm-hmm. It's gonna. You're still gonna have your Thor movie because uh, Takia Watiti or whatever his name yeah. is, he makes a wonderful Thor movie. They're still gonna be doing those things. Spider Man is the most proper, profitable one of all of them, so they're gonna keep so, spinning yeah. those. So they're out. always gonna be doing those. But instead of it being the MC, the MCU to this point has revolved around the Avengers. Yeah. You know, even though that the. the Thor, Captain America, uh, Black Widow, the, yeah, that core. Yeah, but I mean, even though they've, they've made movies that weren't around the that weren't the Avengers, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, the 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 focus has been on the the Avengers and the the peripheral characters that and, and the and the alliances that they form. But it's all Avengers centric. Yeah. yeah. When 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 you start seeing the hearing the words mutant. That's going to be the next. It's, Magne- it's Magneto. It's now going to be an X Men thing. It's not going to be Avengers anymore. It's going to be. It's going to be a Magneto thing, because there's a lot of like social conscious shit that that was created. That that, that even in the old movies. When, well, when they created the, you know, there was this, the X Men were created in the '60s, and Marvel has always been very. Pro progressive, right? And it's political. Like they didn't beat you over the head with it, but mm-hmm. but, but X Men was still an allegory for uh, for uh, gay people, right? All, all like gay um, people of color. It, it was it was about people with civil, physical ailments, civil rights, right? And, and late sixties, yeah, and, and equality. That's what that's what um, because they were smart about the way they did it, right? They knew that we can't, we just can't beat them over the head with all these social messages. 
Like, we need to put these motherfuckers in, in spandex and, like, make it be about something else, but also kind of teach some humanity. Right. Mm-hmm. You still teach Dri- Drip feed some stuff in there. You so, still plant some ideas. The kids. So they, they have, um, they're, they're aware of stuff like that. With, with some focus, I think that once you hear the word mutant, mm-hmm. it's going to not be about the X-Men. I mean, the, the Avengers. Avengers. It's going to be more about the X-Men. And there's... It's not just um, not just Magneto, but also like the Weapons X program. They've already kind of alluded to some of that. Uh, the the, mm-hmm. the Weapon X program was kind of born out of the Super Soldier. Yeah, you yep. know. At, so we're gonna get all of the uh, Marvel versus Capcom without the Capcom characters. <laughs> you know, fights we've always dreamed of on uh, in a movie screen. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, you're gonna get all that. I mean, don't be surprised if. Don't be surprised at anything when it comes to the MCU. Yeah, like as far as like you, you don't think that it's some that it's a possibility that that Chris Evans and Hugh Jackman are going to be doing. You're going to see scenes of them in World oh, War Two together. I mean, it's going to be like fucking. Uh, you know how Patrick Stewart still comes back to does Star Trek and uh, Leonard Nimoy here and there too. Yes, they've already talked. I mean, if Patrick Stewart shows up in a wheelchair next week. Mm-hmm. Don't be surprised. <laughs> no, it's, it's not yeah. going to be him. It's going to be the other guy that. Uh, Ian McClellan. Uh, not Ian McClellan. Uh, McClellan McClellan. I can't. I'm talking about the uh, the next generation X Men that had uh, what's the guy's name that played uh, uh, Charles Xavier that had hair. True, but I don't know if they ever. I don't know if Kevin Feige has talked to that guy. He has talked to Patrick Stewart. Really? Yes. Hmm. They've talked. They've talked to Patrick Stewart and. Uh, Hugh Jackman. I'm not surprised on Hugh Jackman considering how much he and um, uh, Ryan Reynolds do cross promotion yeah, stuff. Patrick Stewart still just is just everywhere still. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Patrick Stewart could still do those, could still do that show for ten years. Yeah, I mean, he could do those those MCU. I mean, things. shit. Look at the MCU de aging. All they need is this fucking voice and a head scan. I mean, fuck. I mean, he's doing a. a He's doing a, a, a yeah. He's eighty years old, and he's holy he, fuck. And he's doing mm-hmm. a, a Star Trek series right now. Yeah. yeah. So it's like that of course blows he, my mind. He, even if well, they wouldn't build a, an arm of that franchise around Patrick Stewart. No. But they can bring him in for cameos mm-hmm. and, and a movie one, or two. Pop, pop two in. And they could, he could easily do that, and because he's just in a probably wheelchair. will, probably will. Because why not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, People will not? be. People will be more excited about him than the other guy, McAvoy. That's his name. Yeah, McAvoy, and, and, yeah. And, and I like McAvoy. Yeah, he was fine. I like him. Yeah. He's in a great movie uh, called um, Oh What Deviant or something. And like he was that. in Band of Brothers. I forgot about that. He was in Band of Brothers. He died in Band of Brothers. Uh, big. I mean, you you probably see that guy. Because it's multiverse shit. Again, That's yeah. true. Again, That's true. You can see those two guys together. <laughs> they, they, already, they already did that <laughs> in the movie. There's, there's my Seinfeld voice. <laughs> they could do it. Don't be surprised if you see both of them. It could happen. There's been yeah. days of Future Past and the Spider-Man multiverse. Oh, don't God. be surprised if you see Quadruple both. Quadruple verse. If, if you see both Quicksilvers, you're probably going to see Andrew Garfield and, and Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Don't be surprised. If I heard Alfred they, Molina was confirmed. Alfred Molina has been confirmed. Um, so it's more. It's just Jamie Fox has been confirmed. Yeah. There's two different friend, not friend, um, bo- reboots. I guess you yeah, could say. Yeah. You know, uh, don't be surprised. Whoever, the one that shocked me the most because it's not even an MCU character. 
was, was Al Pacino. What's oh he, yeah, what's he gonna be? In? He's rumored to be Mephisto, which is the devil character because he's already oh, played God. a devil Fuck. in Devil's, Devil's Advocate. I love that fucking movie. Too. We watched that <laughs> the other year, and 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 because Mephisto is the the MCU devil. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, and he has a connection to Agatha Harkness. Exactly. So it's like some people are saying. Mephisto, like, Mephisto was behind all of what's going on in, in the WandaVision. Some people are saying, don't be surprised if you see Al Pacino. Because because Al Pacino has has admitted he has had conversation with Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. He's admitted that and has said he enjoys a Marvel movie from time to time, that it's good stories. Well, they, they I asked, want to do an impression what, so bad, but what, I'm not going to. Well, they asked him, they said, they said, uh, if he would ever be in it, and he said, "Why wouldn't I be in those movies? Everybody watches them." Yeah, yeah. So, so right there, could happen. Yeah, you, you never know, and dude. I, that would be so fucking cool. We'll see. Get fucking uh, what's his uh, what's the Ooh, guy? I'm the fucking devil again. Right. <laughs> what's the guy's name that directed uh, Ragnarok? Taka Waititi. Yeah, Takawatiti. have him uh, do that whole story. Oh my just make, god, make it just look like heavy metal on steroids. Holy as fuck. shit. Well, well, also, and this is one I hadn't heard anybody say, and, and there's a reason why they have it because it's not going to happen. But for a second, I was like, Ultron. They're going to bring Ultron back. Ooh. Hmm. James Spader's going to redo. He's gonna Interesting. He's going to come back as Ultron. Because everybody shits on that villain, but. He was a great villain. He just didn't get a fair I, shot. I liked him as, as a kid. I liked him as, as a bad guy. I, I liked. I, well, he, liked I, I think he's talking about in the MCU. Yeah, yeah I know what yeah. But, like, I thought. And I thought he was fine. Yeah. It's grown on me over time. But I thought they're going to bring him back somehow because I mean, how do we know he died? He could have just went back online and then now he reappeared because he made a bunch, bunch of uh, copies of himself mm-hmm. too. So I thought, well, that's going to happen. But Paul Bettany made the comment talking about the last episode, the big surprise, said that um, he will be working with somebody that he's always wanted to work with. So it's a legacy actor. Now I do have a theory on that. What's that? So, a YouTuber I was watching, so I can't take the theory. He brought it up, but I was just like, oh, you son of a bitch. If you pay attention to what Paul Bentley said, it also alludes to him working with himself. So, it might be the vision versus vision scene. (sighs) Mm, That would be a stretch. I'm going to be honest with you. But, but do you see where he could be coming from on that one? I've always wanted to work with this guy, and it's actually himself. I, I don't think so. I, I think that, I think the reason why I don't think that he would do that is because I don't think he would risk like people like rolling their eyes because yeah. like if because to me that would be the Luke Skywalker moment, a white vision. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, that's like, dude. You don't think that's the Luke no, Skywalker? Mark no, Hamill does that shit after the fact. No, no. For for people say. For, for for them to say the the Luke Skywalker moment, first off, that that Luke Skywalker moment was an earthquake. Yeah, in, <laughs> in pop culture, like yeah. like it was a fucking earthquake. I mean, I watch reaction videos of people watching that shit. <laughs> what, all right, which Luke Skywalker moment, Force Awakens or uh, Mandalorian? Mandalorian? Mandalorian. Okay. Well, fuck. I know fuck that movie, but that was kind that was kind of a moment. A little bit. It was a little bit of a moment. But Luke Skywalker showing up. On Mandalorian was earthquake in pop culture as yeah. far as like it was yeah for them people on people associated with this MCU when they say that there's going to be a Luke Skywalker moment it can't be anybody but something huge yeah. it has to be like 
I even think Doctor Strange beating at Cumberbatch is not big enough. What what if it's um um Reed Richards? But there there hasn't been an established Reed Richards of a big name. It has to be they can't use any of the past Reed Richards because who, who, who are those yeah, guys? Those they're, they're talking about that guy from The Office. Yeah, Mike, Mike, Michael Krasinski or whatever. Oh, that guy. Oh, okay. It, it's I can possible. See that. It's possible, but I'd, he he would be like, oh, that guy. He doesn't fit into the story. Okay. Uh, even that. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, everyone's thinking Monica was calling up him on the yes. phone, and it wound up being like no one. Yes. Now, who could it be? Well, it it could be Benedict Cumberbatch. I think people kind of expect Benedict Cumberbatch. I think it has to be a new character. So, I don't think it could be a new character. I think it has to be a new character and a new actor or someone that comes from a different universe mm-hmm. that you weren't expecting. Yeah. Who who can be on that list that, that is a fucking, that is an earthquake where everybody is talking about it when they say it? Hugh Jackman. I don't know. <laughs> Hugh Jackman would, but... That'd be a very confusing earthquake. It, would be, it, it wouldn't make sense. Would, no. What would she do that? I said Ian McClellan mm-hmm. because first off, you could bring him in because he's Magneto. There's another guy that's played Magneto, but fuck him, I don't care. I mean, he was good at it. Yeah, but, but Ian McClellan's the iconic he's one. He's not a, a legacy actor. Mm-hmm. You bring in Ian McClellan, who is to, 81, to 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 quell that situation. Mm-hmm. Whether he's a, whether he's on the good side or the bad side, you bring him in. People are like, hmm. Mm-hmm. There's one. I'm not counting Benedict Cumberbatch because I think everybody expects it and I don't think yeah, it's going to be. Because I said what I texted you. I said my, the easy answer is Doctor Strange. Al Pacino as Mephisto. Mm-hmm. I think that is the one that would scratch. Everybody's scratching their head. Mm-hmm. Now that it's kind of already out there as like, being a possibility, I don't know. I also think Marvel was good at like throwing the, the direction and saying, well, we talked to him. There's a third, and it is a it is one I don't think will happen because you have to connect some dots that like unless you're a Marvel nerd, right? Because you're getting into like the occult type stuff. Mm-hmm. Ghost Rider. Oh, who have they t- been talking about playing Ghost Rider? Nick that Cage? <laughs> no. No, I haven't seen that. Who is who is the actor that everybody has decided they like despite his terrible acting for his whole life? Nick Cage? Well, Nick Cage. <laughs> He's already played it. But Nick Cage, Nick Cage is kind of a joke now. Yeah. Right. Who is it that everybody loves? Despite their acting. No, nothing's immediately coming to mind. He just did a sequel to his... Jeff, just, Jeff Goldblum. No, Jeff Goldblum's, Jeff Goldblum's no, already in the fucking universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he made his most latest Bill and Ted movie. Oh, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Oh, they, have, they, have oh. All, they have already talked about Keanu Reeves playing Ghost Rider. Keanu Reeves Whoa. has... They have talked, I can see it. They have talked forever because there's been talk about him being everybody. They talked about him being Wolverine, which would be terrible. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> he's a terrible actor. <laughs> but the thing is, they're looking for a moment to pop. Mm-hmm. And if they brought in Keanu Reeves, who they've already admitted, they have been talking to him for years about which where they're going to bring him in at. Mm-hmm. And they've built him up. Everybody forgets that he was a terrible actor. And, but, he's, <laughs> but he's making John Wick movies, making millions of dollars. But everybody loves him because he's apparently a nice guy. 
<laughs> if they bring him in as Ghost Rider, and they can easily, I don't know about how easily, they they can tie him to all that that mm-hmm. that occult witch oh, for type sure. stuff real easy. They can they can bring him in, and they're they're going to bring him in at some point. I mean, that, that character they have the money to pay. They can pay Pacino. They can pay fucking Keanu. Yeah, they can. All they those, Robert Downey Jr. isn't on the payroll anymore. They can afford a lot yeah, more people. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the fact that you had Robert Redford in, in Marvel movies, I know it. And fucking uh, anybody will do them. Yeah, Glenn Close, fucking John C. Riley. You yes. know, I think it'll be fucking Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> he just shows up and he's like, "Hey, everybody!" Deadpool, <laughs> Deadpool, Deadpool will come in at some point. Oh, he will. He, he will, but not in one division. It won't be this. But, but. <laughs> we just get him and somebody else. We just get two. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can tell you this: when the first time you see Deadpool in uh, in the, in the MCU. It will be in a post-credit scene. Yeah, it will. I, honestly, I think Deadpool will be the next Stan Lee. I think he's just going to pop up and do shit. Well, they've kind of made that joke about who's going to be the next guy that does cameos and everything. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, Deadpool will be a it, good one. It could easily be, and, I, and I'm fine with that. Because, and, and I'll be honest with you, I put Deadpool in 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 league with like Venom. Yeah, yeah, you're not pe- too much. It, it just I came along. That came along a little bit late in my comic book reading. Yeah, gotcha. Um, they're fine characters. I did not give Deadpool a chance mm. when they when those movies came out. Deadpool just kind of became a little bit more uh, trendy to uh, kids like my brother's age and yes. stuff like that. And he's two years younger than me. Now I have seen it, mm-hmm. and they're good movies. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're good they're fun. fun. They're fun movies. It's a fun character. That whole uh, breaking the fourth wall thing. It's very Bugs Bunny. It, it's cool. It is Bugs Bunny. That's, I never that's even kind of why I like it. I do like it. I don't know how that's going to fit in with the MCU. I think they're kind of doing. I think they're getting the MCU warmed up to it because Ag- Agatha did that a lot, especially in what? her in her scene. She was doing a lot of winking to the camera and directly to us. I killed Sparky too. But she did that. Uh, under the guys that they were on a TV show. Right, but do you not think that maybe Marvel's kind of doing that to kind of get the viewer used to characters looking directly at you by doing it in this form? I don't know if they're trying if they're doing it where they're like trying to get us used to it. I think that they know that anybody that likes those movies mm. probably already likes Deadpool. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like if they're this far in a they're, Scarlet Witch story, they're 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 kind of in a in a in a funky spot, and I and I'll, I'll, I want to get back to this in a second. Yeah, uh, they're in a funky spot because it's like the 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 breaking the fourth wall, looking at the camera thing mm. is not their thing, right? So it, it'll be weird if he does it, mm-hmm. but it'll be weird if he doesn't do it because people watch those movies because of. The, the inside jokes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. I think they could pull it off if they do it kind of... You know how some of those 80s movies... Like, hell, even Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know, he'd kind of turn to the camera, break the fourth wall, narrate something, but no one else around him would really react to it. I think that might be a way they could pull it off. It's like if he's, like, in a big group of, like, you know, say, you know, the rest of the Avengers or whatnot, and they're talking about a plan, that he was, could probably turn to the camera and go, this sounds really stupid, you know, some sort of something, and them just not react, maybe? You know, I might be um, I might be overthinking it. And I, oh, no, not at all. That's no, what we do as nerds. No, no, but, <laughs> but, but I mean, I might, be, I might be, like, assigning rules to it that it doesn't have. Okay. What I mean is... 
I'm thinking, well, they have they have to abide by this, or they have to abide by that. Well, Marvel is pretty good at breaking the rules. Like, why do they have to abide by anything? If anything, it, they create the standard. That that whole that whole like breaking the the fourth wall thing that they don't do in any other movie. They might just let it be in the in the Deadpool. Yeah. yeah. They just kind of do their own version of it, have so, a team around it, and uh, kind of have that same approach they have with all the other movies. Like, this movie's going to be a heist movie. This movie's going to be an espionage movie, and that kind of but thing. But that's, that's the overall thing I like about the Marvel stuff is that they are uh, they're thinking ahead. Yeah. Now, the part that... I just don't know how they're going to fix the Magneto thing unless they, yeah. unless they just say, well, that wasn't your dad, really. Cause, because... Because Magneto, Magneto being their father is like a pretty big thing. Mm-hmm. It even ties into the kid scenario. And it's like, you can't just like ignore that. Like, yeah, pretend that didn't exist. <laughs> and and, and I, I don't think for a minute that that is their intention. So yeah. I'm going to be real interested to see how they rectify that. Me too. We got one more episode, man. It's... I can't wait to watch that and then listen to this. Oh, I know. (laughs) Especially because this is going to come out the same morning the last episode does. What's funny is is that Marvel pays attention to all of this type of stuff. Oh, yeah. All these podcasts and all these uh, YouTube channels where they talk Mm -hmm. about this shit, they pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. So it's like they know what we're, we're all chattering about. So... And they kind of go against... They take bits and pieces of it then kind of do their own ideas with it. But don't be surprised if everything that we throw out there is not going to happen and it's going to be something else. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, because uh, Mikey and I had theories upon theories on how they were going to do Endgame. Within the first five minutes, yeah. I was just like, okay, every theory I have is gone. Out the window. <laughs> well, my, my theory was that, that, that Loki came back somehow and yeah. just saved the day. But... It, of course, I was wrong. Yeah, not so much. I would have literally never thought that they would start the movie by killing Thanos and then doing a time jump. The, the, I never had that in my theory. The, the only thing that I was right, the only thing that I predicted when it came to Endgame was the title. I walked out of uh, Infinity War and I said, well, Endgame's the next movie. <laughs> because because of what uh, Benedict Cumberbatch said, hey, we're in, uh-huh. you know, yes, Tony, we're in the end game. I was like, well, that's the name yeah. of that movie. Hey, yep. the title of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I need to go ahead and and, uh, and and copyright that shit right now before they do. Which you know, of course, they already had. Oh, yeah. like, that like, was inked a year was prior. Like, that was the name of that movie. <laughs> Well, no, but it's been fucking great having you on here, man. We've been rolling for two hours and didn't even realize it. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, well, man, like I said, I appreciate it. Um, Well, we're not done here yet. We do have one more thing we like to do before the end of the show, which is we like to dig on into our Spotify playlist and figure out what the hell we've been listening to. What you listening to, son? I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. All right, Cap, what the hell have you been listening to? For some reason, I went on a Willie Nelson kick this week. Oh, shit. Was okay. I was listening to uh, my favorite record of his, uh, Redheaded Stranger. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Willie's concept record. Like, everybody in the 70s had to have a concert uh, concept record, even Willie. But it's great. He tells a story of uh, a stranger who or a bandit who, who uh, gets cheated on. You know, kills uh, the lover and uh, the girlfriend or whatever goes mm-hmm. into 
a blue uh, blue rock montana that, that's a whole thing too and it's a it's a simple story but the music's beautiful and very stripped down are too. you and reed doing any covers from that is that what kind of <laughs> sent you down that rabbit hole no uh just playing willie nelson songs with uh, melissa oh melissa and got it yeah yeah kind of got me in that willie rabbit hole and he's just hilarious Mr. to watch session live. musician over here <laughs> working with a million fucking people i know he's juggling <laughs> but uh i like watching willie nelson the live videos because he's never like in time with the other singers <laughs> he, he never that's actually <laughs> i remember that on the uh he played with the super suckers once and it was just like they were trying so hard to hold it together and willie was just not willie nelson has this thing that he does vocally that's so weird and I don't think how he does it he can kind of get behind vocally but it's ha- still be in time kind of but his hands and the, the guitar he's he's in perfect time yeah he's in time with the band <clears throat> even though even though he kind of like he'll and I don't, I don't think he's do, he's doing anything like he's he's not good with timing but he's he's he's, he's in his own little world he's in his own little world and he will lag behind Vocally, yeah. There's a version of, uh, but then he'll catch back up. Yeah, there's a version of uh, him of uh, he and uh, Lionel Richie doing "Easy Like Sunday Morning," and like, of course, you know the Lionel Richie version of him uh, singing like "Easy Like Sunday Morning" R and B, and then Willie's just like "Easy Like Sunday Morning." <laughs> I mean, me like when I'm playing guitar and singing, if anything, anything messes me up either vocally or like everything stops yeah you're just like whoa wait a minute <laughs> yeah it's like it's like whoa every, like i'm done so no I'm, no it's just willie's just smoking so much fucking weed before he gets on stage it's like god damn it willie you're stoned again aren't you <laughs> well jeff what the hell have you been listening to well uh i, I could throw uh, several at you but i know right. i know this is more about like you know one main thing i i my wife bought me for christmas the Black Sabbath Volume Four box set, nice. Which is uh, these Rhino box sets have usually they have the, the remastered record. They now have extra things like they'll have studio outtakes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which there's two vinyl pieces of just studio outtakes, and then there's a, a show. There's five pieces of vinyl for the whole thing, and there's like a, a double vinyl live album holy from, shit from that era that was my uh gateway black sabbath album yeah that's a you know that's a that's a great you know super not to me is just like it's the best riff that that opening riff sounds like a goddamn chainsaw <laughs> and then you know then there's that that like almost like it's like a cuban percussion i mean he's not playing a bunch of different drums he's just playing drums but it's like the whole cuban that little thing in thing. the background on that drum break yeah that little drum break he's doing like why that why that has not been copped by the hip hop community? No is, joke is beyond me because first off you have I don't know how many uh, how many times that he repeats. I mean you could do a whole a whole hip hop song <laughs> you could just on that one break without without re, without repeating. Looping. I mean maybe it's because it's a little bit it's a more up tempo. Can you can, can you uh, can you rhyme over it? <laughs> uh, I, I'm not good at that kind Heavy of stuff. Metal, but but somebody. <laughs> You know, it, it's almost got a Cubany flavor, like a like a little a, bit, like a, a South American Hispanic mm-hmm. thing. It kind of does it on Children of the Grave too. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like a little, uh, what do you call those little drum things where it's like where it's like almost clicky. Well, you know, the thing is, is that those kind of like all those drummers, those big 
drummers like that in the bottoms. I mean, everybody talks about these guys like, and it's easy to roll your eyes at them and be like, God, I'm tired of hearing about Bonham and Keith Moon and and I. But those guys, reason. those guys didn't come from hard rock or metal. No, no, they came from jazz. Those guys came from jazz. They Same came thing from, with Peter Chris. They came from blues. They came from, um, they came from even. I know you don't like Van Halen, but they 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 come from. I hate that term world music because it sounds fucking, it sounds... It sounds a little, I don't know what you're getting at, I can't find the word. Or like pretentious. Pretentious. It sounds pretentious, but like those guys come from ethnic music from other parts of the world that Mm -hmm. has worked its way into the rock and roll that they were making at the time. Yep. And then uh, guys like Bonham and Bill Ward and all those guys got copied, you know, forever down the line. And everybody, nobody would play jazz. They would want to play Led Zeppelin. You know, and everybody talks about Bonham and Bonham's a great drummer. I mean, I know it's easy to, to, to just hate everybody hates on Led Zeppelin and I'm, I was part of it for a long time. Bill Ward's great. I mean, uh, uh, John Bonham was a great drummer. That, That whole band was good. And a lot of people want to talk about who is the better drummer of this and that. To me, all those guys are all those drummers from the late mid sixties, early seventies are all great. The two names that that get way sadly overlooked. First off is Ian Pice of, of Deep Absolutely. Purple, Absolutely. which is my favorite part of Deep Purple. He's the I'll put him up, up up there on the top of the list as close to John Bonham. And but to me, Bill Ward is the best of all those guys. He, mm. Not because he was like technically the more proficient than any of them. He just did the shit to me that was more interesting. Yeah, he he could write. He was good. He was. A, if you listen to like, um, the Wizard. Mm-hmm. It's a, them trying to do like a blues riff, but okay, it was like all kinds of little jazz things. So there's that. There's that. There's the, if you listen to the Wizard, there's that. Then you. Then what do you hear? You hear two things. You hear Tony Iommi doing doing these little like. And then in the background, I don't even pay. I didn't even pay attention for years. There's all these Billboard jazzy jazzy on those little breaks yes and it's just like i never pay attention to it like even maybe a year or two ago i was like like just listen to the fucking cool shit he's doing (laughs) i just think of like at the beginning i just think of fairy fairies wear boots that that kind of shit now you can be the biggest slayery drummer in the world and those guys are great i i like that stuff too it fits for what they do, but it's like this is just so much more interesting to me. The way that, like, like I said, the beginning of the Wizard is, is you have two different guys playing two different songs there at the beginning mm-hmm. with their little like little jazz things, and then it builds up, and then like they all come back together at the same time. Bow, 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 bow. So mm, they're the greatest. So to me, Bill Ward is like. That kind of music, he's the greatest drummer. Absolutely, and, and uh, that that album, I won't say it's my favorite album. It's got some of my favorite songs on it. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, I love changes. I love uh, Saint by Dance. I like all those songs. Yeah, I think first six are just perfect. Well, to me, my favorite is Never Say Die. You and Tiki, okay, <laughs> <laughs> love that record. Um, but that they came out of the box set and it had yeah. a book and it had poster and all that horse shit. So now, I, is the live tracks actually worth the damn? Because that's something else I've absolutely. noticed too. It's like you as much yes. as I love the Ramones, 
After a while, I've started skipping. I've started skipping a lot of their live stuff because it's all the fucking same. Because Black Sabbath live is because, like he was mentioning, since Bill Ward the jazz drummer and would do something different every night. Oh, okay. It's, it's kind of like watching Led Zeppelin on and a live also, concert on a good also, night. Also, you had to keep in mind, um, because these haven't been released before. There's not really a definitive Black Sabbath live album either. There's there's Evil Live, but that's Dio, right? No, that was that was that was. Um, it was Ozzy recorded it, but it was never officially sanctioned by the band. The label put that out against their wishes. Mm. I just found that out recently. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, uh, those are most of these, like any of them that have a live album mm-hmm. that's you never heard before. It's because well, it just didn't pass. Yeah. Uh, it, it probably needed too much doctoring up. So they were, they were recorded and they were never, never used. Well, there's a reason why whatever big record label is not going to put this out because it's not perfect. Yeah. yeah. I don't want perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I, just want, the shit. I want a legit live album. I want it to have all the warts and stuff. So now it's like, okay, we're, you know, now they're, okay, we have this, 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 this volume four box set and it's like, okay, um, we need some live stuff. Well, they recorded that. We never used it. Okay. Might uh, as well put it on and, there. And, and with, and with enough there. time disconnected, the warts are good. But when they're like brand new and wanting to put their best foot forward, you don't want the warts. Well, yeah, exactly. Because because that is what that's where we are as fans now. Exactly. You know now, you know we you, understand how great they are. We actually want to hear the fuck up because because pop culture and music is so terrible now, <laughs> and because because music doesn't cater to music listeners. Mm-hmm. Music caters to celebrity now yeah so it's like you can take the worst black sabbath show that they ever did where they're all coked up and not liking each other and they, they're fucking up every song you can put it out there now and anybody that even calls himself a black sabbath fan is like fuck yeah i'm getting that tomorrow <laughs> oh yeah so so like now now they, they can reach back in you know because now we're everybody's everybody that is still a music fan is a super fan now and they mm-hmm. will absolutely buy all that shit and I have said, as long as Rhino or whoever keeps making these fucking box sets, I'm there. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Metallica, I don't know if you're Metallica fans. Oh, yeah. Metallica puts out box sets for the for the good albums. I'm there. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're going to get my money. That's why. The Ramones I, ones? The Ramones ones, which to me, are, I told you, they're lacking. They, they could be more than what they are, but mm-hmm. I'm there. Fucking, why has Kiss been putting them out? Like, like Kiss put it, has put out box sets, but... Why has it kissed? Why has not Gene Simmons and Paul Stan looked over and seen Metallica, all these other being like, wait a second, they they these these motherfuckers are beating us because they're not they're not just putting out box sets for all their their good songs, they're putting out full box sets per album. How much money are we leaving on the table? Well, it's because if Kiss were to do it. That little skimpy Ramones box set that was worth forty dollars, like that's a forty dollar box set. That's that's you pay forty dollars for the book that's inside, basically. You know, it's a it's a nicely done book, and you get oh, vinyl God. and CDs. Well, the Kiss one would be two hundred dollars yes, for that. I was gonna say. Because dude, <laughs> on the Kiss website right now, they're selling a Kiss box. Okay, yeah. did you see that fucking thing? It has a T-shirt, a pin, a patch, and a couple stickers and a lithograph for two hundred dollars. Oh, that's not the box. I'm, I'm talking about. The box is fifteen hundred dollars. Oh no, that that was the Gene Simmons uh, no, vault thing. No, this one was fifteen hundred bucks. It was every album 
they ever did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that this. one. Yeah, and I'm talking everything they ever. Put Even on like vinyl. Greatest Kiss did got a fucking vinyl. Greatest Kiss, you want the best, you got the best. Killer, mm-hmm. I mean all that stuff. And then I mean, it was in a it was in a road case. I yeah. remember it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. But that's not what we want though. But they could go through and they could do if they if Kiss made a hundred and fifty dollar box set that thick mm-hmm. for the first album. Oh, dude. I don't know about you, but you, I don't know about you, but I know you and I both, we all know five motherfuckers yeah, that would buy order it today. And, I, mm-hmm. and I'm one of them. If I had the cash, I would. But you know those. Steve, pack- uh-huh. Steve, Barry, well, not Barry, because Barry don't buy shit. Steve, <laughs> Doug, Russ, uh-huh. me, you know what I'm saying? Like, and probably Clayton. Probably Clayton. Like, like, but you know those packages would be fucking stacked, though. Oh, God. Yeah, with, with posters, because that's what you're paying for. You're yeah. paying for all the extra stuff. Exactly. And, and for it to also look good on your, on your vinyl shit. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, Kiss says, okay, we're going to put out this one box set that has all these albums and such that no one's going to buy. It's like, Wait a second. We're doing it all wrong. Look at Metallica. Yeah. Metallica put out their first fucking Garage album. You know, well, I should say Garage because that, that confuses with yeah, Garage Inc. and all that. But they put out Kill Em All, which is basically a fucking Garage Slash. Band album. Yeah. And like, it was selling it for 150 bucks and people were buying that shit up. And now they get to do all the records like that. Of course, you know, only they're only going to do that for like the good albums that anybody wants to buy. No, but yeah. they're not but, doing that for but, low. But Kiss is like, well, wait a second. We have... They could do it all the way up to Dynasty. We could do it all the way up to Dynasty, which is what? Six so, albums. Yeah. Seven records. Yeah. But then, then you have two live records that people care about. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you could stuff too. those to the gills, too. And then and then it's like, I don't you know I don't know where KISS are in KISS fandom now, but like, I mean, do we, would they stop at, at, at Dynasty? Because I'm they not, might stop at Creatures. There's this resurgence of 80s Kiss fandom. I don't think now, there's enough like, material for well, that to warrant. Well, I think that the, maybe. I don't think maybe Crazy Nights I don't or. Think, yeah. Well, maybe. okay, since we're talking about vinyl and we. we there is. Um, I have been noticing that there has been this vinyl interest in, mm-hmm. in hair metal from the 80s. Like, you can't just go buy those, like, hair metal records from the 80s in the stores. Like, like. Like uh, Wasp and Rat, <laughs> any of them, Skid Row, not Poison. Even, really, not even like bands that have sold millions of dollars or millions. Of no, I'm records. saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, you don't see those for fifteen dollars in the used section. No, like now they're worth tons of money. Even mm-hmm. like shitty like '80s bands that like, with the exception of Rat, for some reason, I still see Rat for for ten dollars. <laughs> like, but, like, but like I know that like. Um, they put a Cinderella record out. I don't know if you remember Cinderella. Yeah. I remember them. Yeah, Cinderella was kind like of Gypsy a, Road and all that. Yeah, they had like two or three songs, I mean, two or three albums. They were kind of big for a minute. Yeah, they, but had, it's like, they had their moment. But they put a, a Record Store Day record out. Mm-hmm. Dude, Real gone. Everybody's like, Skid Row put out their first or second record. I think that they did like a legacy edition or an anniversary yeah, edition yeah. of uh, for, the first record that had Record the Store Day, gone. Holy Secondary fuck. market's huge with them now. Mm-hmm. Because those people are age, are getting older and uh, trying to flip shit. <laughs> well, see, also, but see, here's the thing: all of those bands, like, I mean, I can I can tell you the weekend it happened. Everybody liked them. Smells like Teen Spirit played on the dude. Weekend. There's so many people. There's a couple of people we've talked to on the show that said mm-hmm. the exact same thing. I remember the weekend. I remember where I was, and I'm not even at 
I like that now more than I did at the time. Yeah. But I wasn't a big Nirvana fan. They were they were the enemy because I was a big metalhead. It took me a while to get uh, an appreciation for them too. It is a great record. Yeah. But the thing is, at the time, at at the time, I remember, I I went to work at the pizza place that I was a delivery guy in. I watched the video, mm-hmm. and I noticed that they played that fucking video on the hour every hour on MTV. When I went back to school, haircuts were haircuts had happened. <laughs> Just Fla- like that. Flannel got bought. Flan- wow. Flannel was being it over, was that overnight. quick. And, and partly because it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good. It was a good this song catchy. and it was different. But also, the whole hair metal thing was kind of like people were getting tired of it. Yeah. I mean, people were getting tired of it before Nirvana because, you know, you started seeing things where, like, the hair was kind of like it was big, then it was kind of getting smaller. Like Guns and Roses didn't put on Guns, makeup. Like it was wet. Guns and Roses. You had bands, um, like, from here, Jackal. Yeah. Jackal didn't have big hair. They had long hair. Junkyard. Junkyard. Like um, this band called, this terrible band called Ugly Kid Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Their hair wasn't as big. They, you know, they wore cut off jeans. They yeah. kind of looked kind of grungy. Yeah. That's so, that. I hate everything about exactly. you. That one. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, things were kind of already getting away from the, the, the Sunset Strip thing. Yeah. But... Nirvana came along with like something that was punky that had never been heard before by by the mall crowd right. and, and the suburb mm-hmm. crowd. And as soon as that as soon as that hit and people were like, This is different, but it's also real catchy and good, it was over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my point being, it's taken a long time for a lot of people to turn around and be like, you know, <laughs> I liked Poison, right? (laughs) I didn't hate Warrant. I I liked Poison, all right. Now, now because we see it for what it is. Anytime anytime there's like a stink to things, Mm. if you let them sit long enough, people forget about the stink. It's like cheese. (laughs) Eventually, you'll eat the piece of cheese. People forget about that kind of stuff. You know, it's 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 like there's some killer. It's like oh, that's that's some cool guitar playing. So, so I think there is a resurgence of people going like, "Wow, I'd like to have those," and I mm. think you're going to see that. And I think so. If 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 I am sure, and it, it'll probably be a travesty when they do it. If Kiss, I would not be surprised if Kiss was to like cater to that before they do go back and do <sighs> legacy box sets of all their albums, which I have no interest in hot in the shade or any of that no. shit. I don't, <laughs> the only one I care about that would be with no makeup is is Creatures of Night because that is a great record. It's pretty solid. I don't know, I'll, I'd be interested in a revenge one. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a lone ranger on that one. I, I, I do like revenge. I don't think you're a lone ranger on that. I mean, Steve Winslow talks about how he that that's one of his favorite Kiss think, records. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, just to me that was the one record where Gene finally figured out who the fuck he was again. Well, I don't, it felt like he was just so lost, and that was the record where he was like, "Oh wait a minute." I'm Gene fucking Simmons. I think what you just said is a nice way of saying that he had to go back to Kiss because he was <laughs> striking gold anywhere else. It was. It is. It is. Because, because the 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 Hollywood career didn't take off. Nope. Him, it did not. Know? And I think that by the time they got to um, Hot in the Shade, they realized that he realized. Well, 
I better focus on this whole Kiss thing as much as I don't. As much as I wanted to get away from Kiss and be in Hollywood, mm. you know. <laughs> of course, the 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 best and worst thing that ever happened to Kiss is that as much as they were going down and like the, the hits were having less and less, then they put out Forever, yeah, which was a huge, which was fucking, a Michael Bolton song, a huge fucking superpower ballad, and they it's the biggest thing ever, yeah. And then they they then they do Revenge, which is. It's fine. I liked it more at the time. Now I'm, I listen to it, and there's some there's some good I songs like on there. I still like Unholy a lot. That's still just a good ripper. I feel yeah, like yeah, but I, I to me that's to me them. It is a good song. Yeah, it is a good song. To me, that was them being like, what's that man from from San Francisco doing? The trend followers the, no longer trendsetters. You know, you know, what's that man from San Francisco? Met Metallica, they, they, they're all wearing black and they're doing these really heavy songs and oh yeah, it's like it's like I, I'm not saying it as a Metallica song. Yeah, no, it's not. But I get exactly what you say. Like we a, we've had a similar conversation talking about Alice Cooper. How at one point he was a trendsetter and then he became a trend follower. And then he got Desmond Child to write his the songs more, like the, everybody the, else. The more egregious shit about about him is that he and I'm a huge Alice Cooper fan. Alice Cooper, like, he tried to cover it up even less. Yeah. I mean... He was pretty transparent. Alice Cooper would be just like, oh, I guess I'm doing New Wave. I better go get uh, the guy who produced the Cars records, Roy Mm -hmm. Thomas Baker. Right. (laughs) Who's popular right now? Uh, White Zombie? Okay, here's Dragon Town. (laughs) I mean, mean, but he would would just be like, well, I'm... I'm doing it. I guess I'm hair metal now. I better get some hair metal, guys. When you, well, when you're a, a character, more or less, I kind of look at Alice Cooper as more as a uh, you know a theater act as opposed to like you know a rock and roll band, which it still is, but it's a rock and roll theater. It's kind of like you're building songs around a character more than you know. Yeah, but he still lost the plot. Lost the plot for a good chunk of the '80s and well, '90s. Well, no, sure. no, I mean, I think that Alice Cooper does now is. Can be good. He's he's had some good moments. I like those uh Detroit sessions that I he's been doing. To that, I hadn't listened to that record um, that came out. Yeah, yet. I want to buy that at some point. Uh, I'm I'm interested in that to a point. Yeah. Uh, I think that, but like Alice Cooper, he did he did two records, uh, Dirty Diamonds and that was Eyes, Alice Eyes. Cooper. Yes. Eyes, Alice Cooper. I think both those are really good records, and I'm interested in what he's doing now. But in the in the in the scheme of cultural relevance. Alice Cooper was the most important thing at the time because everything was was uh, flower power in the blues, and Alice Cooper came along. And they ain't saying he's that he that he was the first middle finger. He mm-hmm. wasn't. I mean, Frank Zappa was was weird and crazy and was uh, anti-establishment and anti-social as yeah. much as Alice Cooper. But Alice Cooper. Frank Zappa wasn't the personality that Alice Cooper Alice was. Alice Cooper was able to do it in a way that Frank Zappa wasn't able to. Exactly. You know, he was he was every he was every dad's nightmare. Yeah. Yep. He was every dad's nightmare. He was the first. Uh, well, he says in his interviews. I remember him talking about everybody was a rock and roll hero. I wanted to be the rock and roll villain. There weren't because there were no villains. Yes, and he pushed the he pushed the the, the androgyny mm-hmm. with the way you know him having the name and really. If you're a if you're a, a 1950s dad, and the first and you see Alice Cooper with a name like Alice, mm-hmm. yeah, and you just you just you assume it might be a woman. Mm-hmm. What well, isn't a man or is a woman? That's oh, what I, I thought at first when I was a little kid I hearing that name. I don't see any facial hair, 
maybe it's one of these trans something people. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm, I don't want my, you know, I'm not going to let my God-fearing kid, you know, my boy watch this. And he's going to end up liking men, too. Because yeah. you, know, you have to think about it in the context of, of the time. And that's why New York Dolls were dangerous. At New York Dolls were extremely dangerous, with the exception of the fact that no one really knew anything about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, New York Dolls should be... In concept. The huge, the most huge band ever. It's just that no one heard them. Right. Um yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. It's just mm-hmm. they didn't get the coverage that Alice Cooper got. Alice Cooper... Had the team behind he, him. He then. Had, well, he had the hits. It's true, yeah. He had the hits, and he knew how to... You know, the New York Dolls were just dangerous if you saw them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of like Rolling Stones yes. dangerous. And they were, you know, they, they, they were groundbreaking in their way. I love the New York Dolls. But Alice Cooper was in your... He was in your living room every night. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because you know... You heard all these things about about Alice Cooper. Well, Alice Cooper kills chickens. Yep. Alice Cooper, uh, he he carry he play he has a snake on stage. And, <laughs> and he decapitates himself. He and... does he does these, these things that again, your grandmas watch TV now, and who are the grandmas? Well, your mom's a grandma. Yeah, that's weird to think about. Your mom's, your mom's a grandma. Your mom is not shocked by Alice Cooper, no. but in 1970, mm-hmm. a little old grandma that grew up in the in World War II, mm-hmm. she sees this person that they can't distinguish their 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 gender. Yep, puts puts their head in a, in a guillotine, and you see a guillotine come down with fake blood. It was groundbreaking. Fucking shocked you. Then you see. <laughs> then you, you couple that with. With newspapers that say Alice Cooper kills chicken on stage. Yeah, that was the whole thing in his interview too, where like uh, he calls Frank Zappa to tell him about the, you know, how he accidentally, you know, killed a chicken by throwing it to the audience, and Frank Zappa's like, "Well, don't tell anybody you did that." <laughs> and, and then, you know, and then, you know, Shep Gordon, who was a genius at this shit, yeah, he would, you know, he hired an ad truck mm-hmm. with Alice Cooper with no clothes on. I mean, you didn't see his cockery, yeah, but Alice Cooper with his name. An ad truck to break down in Piccadilly Circus yep. in London, which is the equivalent of Times Square. Yeah, millions of people are like stuck in gridlock because the Alice Cooper thing <laughs> is broke down in the middle of town. Broke down. <laughs> broke down. <laughs> Every newspaper is running that all around the world. Yeah, that's, that's so. Gene Simmons would shit himself if he had thought of that. Yes, it's, it's, it's brilliant. So, so, so it's like at the time, it's insane. I mean, like they played the media, whereas the New York Dolls, one New York Dolls, they just they just were doing heroin. Well, they were that, and, and they were they would shock people if people saw them. They just didn't always see them. Yeah, they were still playing Max's Kansas City and shit like that. I mean, I, I have looked through probably millions of records and millions of boxes of records. Mm. Um, I have been one time that I had been to someone's house who was selling records from a, an ad somewhere, and I saw a New York Dolls record that they didn't know what they had. One time ever. Oh shit! <laughs> so basically, time. everyone that's got that record knows what the fuck they've got. Yes. Uh-huh. The, the, and there just wasn't a bunch of those records. Yeah. So, uh, and I never denigrate the, the New York Dolls. I love the New York Dolls. I'm <laughs> underrated, but they just didn't have the the 
popularity. The direct impact. The the impact of the New York Dolls did it show up. Mm-hmm. It showed up in hair metal and it showed up in punk rock. It yeah. showed up in the Sex Pistols. All the Sex Pistols, uh, the, the the Ramones, the Clash, Guns N' Roses, even fucking uh, Joy Division. All these bands were affected by were affected by the New York Dolls. Who those bands went on to affect rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. but I'm talking about. What Alice Cooper was doing at the at the time it was going on was directly in everybody's vision, and it's like it changed the way everything. So it did. Yeah. Anyway, I have talked about that enough. <laughs> oh no, you're We're still good. Black you Sabbath. are good. We got Alice Cooper. <laughs> See, and again, that's why I was like, we we can have you on here countless times, and I have plenty to talk about. Man, you are welcome here anytime. And as a quick wrap up, I've actually gone back and re-listened to uh, the CJ uh, record that came out in 2019, CJ Ramones, uh, the Holy Spell. And uh, that might be his last record. We wound up catching him on what wound up being his last tour when he hit Rabbit Hole. And honestly, out of all the different Ramones I've been able to talk to and meet, which have been Marky, Richie, and CJ, CJ has just been the number one absolute best. You know, I think I was, whenever I got into the Ramones, and I'm not a, I mean, I've loved the Ramones for about 25 years, but yeah. but when I liked Ramones, the Ramones were already started breaking up. Right. Um, and I was, when I initially, I was just like, well, I don't like the fucking CJ shit because it's not the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is stupid because Dee Dee was, you know, they make great music without Dee Dee. Yeah. yeah. But initially, because I was young and stupid, I was like, fuck the CJ shit. I actually interviewed CJ. Mm-hmm. I, I remember that. interviewed CJ, uh, not direct. I didn't get an interview directly. I did it through intermediary, through Johnny Moss. Okay. Um, but those were my questions because he, I think he knew that I would be able to ask a better interview than, than he did. Because I'm just. He still a, gave you credit for the interview. Yeah, he though. gave me credit for it. And I, and I appreciate Johnny for doing that. But um, I had such a. The way he answered it and the things he said and done since, you know, in the past years. He just seems like the coolest fucking guy. He, he really did. He and seems he like a super su- nice guy. Super nice whenever we saw him play. And I feel like I may have mentioned it on the show, but it's just it's worth bearing repeating. It was this, um, the opening bands got their shit on and off stage. They played short sets. It's like a, No Anger Control was one of them. And I was talking with Tiff. And she was like, honestly, we're really you know excited to open for CJ, but we kind of cut our set a little short. We were ready to see them play. <laughs> so it's like the opening bands you know, got their shit on and off stage. They were super pro. And CJ, near the end of the set, we could kind of look down and see a set list and he was on like maybe his last two or three songs and he actually looked at his watch and kind of talked to the band member for a second came back up and went hey um it's not even midnight yet guys and we've only got a couple more songs left he goes there's a few songs we didn't put in the set he goes how about we play a few more that we weren't planning and he goes like give me like a few minutes and like then i'll come out here and you know just have some beers with you and sure enough, he did the entire night until every single person left. He just held court and just chatted with people, posed for photos, signed things, drank beers, and just hung out until the bar shut down. I saw Ray Davies one time do the exact same thing. Oh, really? that's awesome. Oh, that's saw, so cool. I saw Ray Davies of the Kinks. He played a solo show in, in, at uh, the... Neighborhood Theater? No, the the, the, the corporate one. Oh, um, Fillmore. Yeah. Fillmore. He played the Fillmore. He came out, he did 20-something songs... Great. He played everything you wanted to hear. He wasn't really pushing her. He, he was pushing like a solo record, but I mean, he was it was real Kinks heavy. Yeah, it's kind of like how CJ was. So he played. I don't know how much of Kinks fans you guys are. I'm, I'm, Basic. I'm, I've been kind of you know rediscovering them lately. So he leaves. Of course, you know he's going to come back out and do other songs because I, mean, I was thinking, well, he didn't play this. He'll probably play. It. So he comes back out, does the encore. Mm-hmm. 
goes back, comes out again, do a third, I mean, a second encore. I'm like, eh, do you need? To do? I mean, I'm I'm cool with it, but like, you could have just done all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. He needs, <laughs> he needs a stage. Band members start taking their shit off. Lights go up. Light, yeah. Lights go up. It's just like okay, the show's over. People start walking out. He's shaking hands. He's like, y'all want to hear some more? Holy shit. Band's already breaking down. He goes and he's like, yeah, let's do a couple more. The band members are That's pissed. So- <laughs> the band members are like, man, what the... You can God see him. You can see the band members like saying, fuck. He does a third encore. He, with band members that didn't want to do it. Like, they were already breaking down. The lights were up. People were walking out. He's like, I want to play some more. My tubes were fucking cooling down already, bro. So, so that's cool. I yeah. Mean, when, when, when people do that, like, I, I've, I mean, I've seen other bands do the exact opposite and be complete pricks, but mm-hmm. when you see somebody do that, it's like... Who's that legendary, too? It's like, you, you tip your hat to them. And, and honestly, it, it does ring true. because, you know, you always hear the, you know, don't meet your musical heroes and something the other. I am so glad I stuck around to actually meet CJ because I had a kind of a crappy experience with Marky. I had a non-memorable experience with Richie, mainly because uh, he was his brain was just kind of already gone. But just like with, with CJ, that kind of... It gave me that oomph of like, yes, I met a Ramon. I met someone that embodies a Ramon. I am, I am really surprised that CJ, Marky, and Richie, in some combination of the three, haven't gone out as like. I think Marky's the reason. The remaining Ramon. Well, they could still go out with Richie. I mean, yeah. Richie plays. He plays fine. He's, yeah, he's a good drummer. So it's like I'm surprised they haven't been like a. I mean, they can't call themselves the Ramones. Been like, yeah, hey, yeah. you know, the, you, rem- the, the remain- remainings. <laughs> well, well, yeah, what, what do you call it, and where do you play clubs? Well, well they they have had the remains. Yeah, I remember that one. But, that was, uh, I'm surprised they haven't tried to capitalize on that. But I, I kind of think that the Ramones thing is like over. Don't get me wrong. Everybody still loves the Ramones, but like they're after like those guys died. Yeah, they, they were hot shit. Mm-hmm. Had had they still been alive, they could have played stadiums mm-hmm. in America. Which wasn't open to him, but you know, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I mean, and I'm. I like to see that. You know, I, I he's on my Facebook. Yeah. So I, I I enjoy seeing his things, and I think he's. Well, I mean, really, he's the he's the last real cheerleader for the Ramones. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, and that's and that's at least why I was kind of glad. About it. I'm, I'm glad that at least someone is kind of still cheerleadering it, and yeah. it carries and, a legacy and, well. Yeah, and to find out that he wasn't an absolute prick was really nice. <laughs> I can't yeah. say that about other Ramones I, I've met. I, I, I've, I've met ones that were pretty, I've met people that I weren't real big fans of, and they were complete pricks and whatever. I mean, yeah. I, I met I met I met Sylvain Sylvain, and I met Cheetah Chrome. At the same night, and oh, that's they were awesome. No, they were both bricks. Oh, really? They I, were both bricks, and I'm a fan of both of them. I was in, uh, I think, from me to Alex, I was in that close distance between me and uh, Cheetah Chrome. I wasn't going to fuck with Cheetah Chrome or any of his crew <laughs> because he was talking to his wife. They were figuring out what the hell they were going to do to kill time. It's like us hanging out in the yeah. fucking in the milestone. Well, what do you want to do for the next couple hours? Well, I don't know. Is that it was that when, conversation when I met him? And there's no district. I mean, this is you know, I'm not trying to kick the corpse of Sylvain. Sylvain just died, and I, mean, I hate that, but. They had a band together, and they played in Charlotte. Which, on paper, sounds fucking sweet. Yeah, well, Batusi. It was a band called Batusi. Okay. They, they only had a four-song album out, two songs on each side of a big record, which I bought, of course, because I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah. And it's all right. But they showed up 50 people. Yeah. Oh, wow. It wasn't a lot of people there for mm-hmm. this. But I was one of them. I was one of the people who performed. I bought the record. I bought the admission. You don't have a ton of fans here. 
It's a very niche. You know, you don't you don't have a lot of people here like clamor for you. I'm just asking for a, a picture, a selfie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's and, easy. And I got shit for. It. I mean, like they 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 were just they were not happy about it. I was just like, yeah, okay, man, well, you know what, um, you know. Maybe you getting ready to go hang out with Mick Jagger. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe you have uh, much bigger things going on in your life. I thought that selfie would be cool, but you know whatever, cool. But uh, anyway, uh, the, the only time I ever met someone that was kind of disappointing, I was able to get the redemption arc on. First time I met Eddie Spaghetti was a horrible thing. It was just like he was kind of cold, this that and the other. Second time I met him, we were opening for him. And I was like, hey, man, you know, this, that, and the other. He's like, hey, things, blah, blah, blah. And I just kind of looked at him. I was like, man, I said, the second time I've met you, I said, I'm a legit fan. I said, you know, I'm not one of just the drunk assholes. I said, I genuinely enjoy your music. And he just kind of like looked at me. He took his sunglasses off, then extended his hand. He goes, well, it's a pleasure to meet you, sir. And I was just like, all right, cool. And then like every time since then, I think like he kind of like there was like a part that vaguely clicked or something like mm-hmm. that. As he was always super nice to me after that. I met him a couple times since. Yeah, well, I didn't you know, see him the last two times because he was rec- uh, it was after the cancer surgery well, and stuff. Yeah, but the rest of his band was super. You know, nice. I think uh, I think it, 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 I have to remember that like okay, well these people are humans too. Yeah, exactly. I mean it's like, it's like and that's why I, why I had to feel the need to kind of snap them out of it the second time. Being like, look, dude, I'm a fan. You take <laughs> someone like Sylvain Sylvain or Eddie Spaghetti. I mean, these aren't guys that like. Flying on a Learjet. No, I mean these they're are guys living hard. They, they riding, you know, they're in they're in bus, they're in vans. Mm-hmm. They have to stop at gas stations. They have to, you know, live the lifestyle. There is no red carpet for these people, mm-hmm. regardless of what kind of fan base they have. Yeah. So it's like, of course they have terrible days, and it's like, I get it. Yeah. And, and you know, there is a certain reality because you know, I was in New York. I was with uh, Steve and your mom. Your mm-hmm. mom went, and and Steve and Sheila went. And me and Steve were in a record store. There's Jimmy Page. No shit. Yep. Jimmy Page looking through records. I remember her sending me a message that day going, I just was just in a record store, Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page is looking through records. Jimmy Page. And and there was another picture of a, a meme of Jimmy Page looking through records. It's not ours. Huh. And, and uh but it's out there and, and, and I have I have a picture on my phone. It's on my Facebook of Jimmy Page. And I I'm not like right I'm not this close to him, but I'm from here to the to the T V yeah. and he's just flipping through records. And of course everybody there is like lined up with phones. Like click 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 click. Right. He did not want to be t- talked to. He someone no one was approaching him, but one person was leaving and they said, See you later, Jimmy. And he just kind of like, he didn't even like, he just kind of like barely acknowledged it. And I remember a couple of people being like, well, fuck that guy. I'm like, I want you to think about this for a second. Yeah. It's just a Jimmy Page. Someone walks up to you and says, hey, hey, man. Yeah, man, you're a fan. Awesome. Well, let me shake your hand. Of course, I'll take a picture with you. What happens whenever Jimmy Page says, "Yeah, man, that's awesome, buddy. Your name's your name's your name's Cap." Well, let me. Yeah, of course, I'll take a picture with you. Yep. What happens after that? A line forms and mm-hmm. it ends out in the street. Yep. You have. Hey, to, guys, Jimmy Page is here, and then, I, then all of a sudden. Every Led Zeppelin record in that store is being bought right that second, and he is signing every one of them because everybody, it turns into a fucking crowd scene. So those guys have to kind of like be, you know, selective. They have to kind of be pricks a little bit. I'm sure that in in his real life, Jimmy Page is probably a fine person. He's probably a cool person. 
you just have his, just you his have black to, magic books. You have to put that 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 barrier there that says, eh, "I'm not. I don't really want to talk to you because if you do, then it turns into a free meet and greet session." I don't want to be. Never ends. I don't want to be Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin right now. I just want to be Jimmy at the record store, just looking for shit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know. So, but anyway, I know you're trying to wrap us up. Oh no, you're no. good, man. I love this. This, this is, is awesome. great. Wait, I think the uh, the only other person because uh, Russ was on here one time. I think Russ was the only person that's so far been the longest. He's clocked in at over three hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll have to see when he comes back. Our listeners are used to the big episodes. They like them. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I'm up for coming back out, you know, and I wouldn't mind coming back with somebody. I mean, if you, oh, yeah. if, you know, if you... Oh, I think it'd be great to have you and Steve. Me and Steve. Yeah, totally. Me and Russ. Yeah. Um, you know, whoever. But uh, I, I want to say, uh, guys, I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I... Um, you know, I love the fact that you guys are just chugging away at it, uh, both yeah, wh- whether it be, whether it be. Uh, Your mic fully cut out. I, I think know, I noticed that. Oh, there it is. Oh, that, that, now it's back. Yeah. You know, Sweet. You know, whether it's uh, doing um, online things with, you know, you, you know, you're trying to put forth your own your own universe of of, of conversation, mm. or whether it be music podcast. Uh, I appreciate it. You know, I, I can't listen to every single thing. I do listen to you guys from time to time, as I do listen to like Crack House Chronicles mm-hmm. and you know Conrad Thompson. I try to listen to. Well, I, I, I try to put my friends in the in the front of the line as far as like because Conrad Thompson is going to have a million people listen to his podcast. Yeah, um, you guys aren't. Uh, yeah. I, I got a friend that does a podcast for the TV show Shit's Creek. Interesting. All it, right, I'm not even a fan of the show, but I, I try to listen to it because. They're friends, but I enjoy it and, and I appreciate y'all being able to do it. Uh, love the fact that you're playing with everybody, and you, you know, <laughs> it looks like you have a, a good session career that's really starting to it's just begin. Of, and um, I would be remiss if I did not say, I think it's awesome, Alex. You're going to be an uncle. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> I, I appreciate I, that. I think uh, I hope you embrace that whole being an uncle thing because I mean, I ain't ever going to have a kid, mm-hmm. but I'm going to tell you. You know, family is important. Yeah. And this this kid, I just I had an uncle die recently. Got it. Uh, uh, I got to go up there next week and bury him. He was just my uncle, and that dude was the best uncle ever. Yeah. And he, you know, he taught me so much without thinking he was teaching me, and like I have all these memories that were important that I would not be who I am today because of him. And it's just like. You know, you got, you know, I just hope you embrace being an uncle as much as my uncle guy embraced being my uncle. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, it's a lot of fun. You, you, and, and I think I will be able to really embrace it because kind of to dovetail off exactly what you said, I've had more uncles and I don't mean this in any disrespect if anyone's listening to it, but I've had more uncles than father figures. So I've had people like you and Russ and Clayton and people like that and even Jeff Young. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that I saw as the uncles, you know, so it's like I always had strong men around me that I always considered my uncle. So it's like I, I'm I'm definitely going to carry on that tradition. And I, and I see you as like, you know, the best big brother and uncle that, you well, know, a, a budding musician could have asked for. <laughs> well, you know, um, you know, I think that uh, you, you get all the best things about being an uncle. Mm-hmm. Like, first off, you get this awesome kid around you that you get to mold into the things that you like yeah, yeah. 
I mean, secondly, you don't have to pay for them. You don't have to. You know, you pump them full kid. of sugar and then send them home. It is, Come on, okay, well, buy, there it is. You know, you get to be, you get to buy them candy bars, and not Katie, getting trouble Katie for gets it. to worry about <laughs> about why it won't go. You know, why why the, the kid won't go to bed. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, it's been, and, and I and I'm uh, I'm excited about it and. Um, well, I'd say I've had some pretty good pretty examples good. around me, so I think I'll do pretty well, I good. I appreciate that, and and uh, it's funny because were you at his twenty first anniversary? I mean, his twenty first birthday party. I was not. Party? He was not in the picture. Who was the bass yet. player? Me. Who was a guitar player? Mikey. Yeah, we were just a three piece at the were time. You, were you a three piece? Yeah. So you know about the the twenty first anniversary? Oh yeah, he I knows have. the twenty first yep. birthday show. Yes, indeed. I think we had Lacey uh, come on the podcast. <laughs> yes, and tell and the story. when Davy Dirt was on the show one time, and Lacey popped her head in, and we recounted that story. <laughs> and I remember. I mean, I eventually felt terrible because <laughs> because because I mean, I, I eventually was, felt I terrible. In, I was in on the behind the shots, <laughs> and I was, it was on, primarily Cam, but you were in it too. Well, no, I, I mean, I, I think I bought you your first or second shot, and I remember, but it was like the third shot where you were like, "No, nah, I'll drink that later." And I was like, "Nope, <laughs> you're not drinking that shot later." Yep. You, this is not how twenty-first birthday shots work. <laughs> this isn't about you gonna collect a. Uh, a plethora of alcohol shots to to drink in your own time. That's not what you... <laughs> the goal of 21 that's, is that's, alcohol that's, poisoning. That's not what happens. That's not, that's not the goal. The goal is you're going to get fucked up legally <laughs> and you will drink it. So uh, I remember... I remember... Uh, y'all... You guys went into... It was like the second to the last song or something. You guys went into traveling band. Oh, yep. And I started and it, yelling it, at the drummer. And it was like... Seven forty-five, <laughs> and this is like, rah, 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 rah. and uh, you didn't even end the set. I mean, like you collapsed. Which I'm not judging. On my on my thirty-eighth birthday, rock and roll. On my thirtieth birthday, Devin Holiday, all those guys, all those uh, uh, dirt, dirt, bag. dirt bag guys, Jonathan. They all were there. They all saw it. I fucking played a show. Shit, like blackout. I don't remember any of it. Damn, <laughs> I don't remember any of it. And those those guys to this day will still tell you it's the most fucking rock and roll thing they ever saw. Awesome. <laughs> so, well, of course, you know, I woke up with puke all over me and someone else's shirt. You didn't so, feel the, didn't feel very rock so. There's and roll. a flip side to that, and, which, uh, but but it's like uh, I remember when we got you outside, mm-hmm. and I, I doubt you remember this, but we got you outside, and it was me, Eric Stiff, and and. Uh, Clayton were all like like okay hold his head back okay give him a little bit of water okay make sure you, he's gonna be fine you know your mom's flipping out and we're, <laughs> and, we're, and it was like Jonathan Hughes was like don't worry he's got he's got all of his uncles around him now so yeah. <laughs> he's a big, I, I remember Jonathan telling me about that one he later said, he said he, he's got you know he's got he's got all these dads around him right mm-hmm. now anyway so <laughs> it's like, all these. and it is it's just a true testament to you know the, the one of the few things i can always look back on and say i've always been blessed on is you know i've always had a a good group of guys around me that you know even though help jeff we don't talk all the time but i know if the chips were down i could send you a message and you'd be down here you know if, if it was like life or death chips are down situation and it's like well, that kind of security is just always nice to have well, i appreciate it and, uh, you know you just had to you pay it forward. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, and if, if if I find out you're not doing that with yours, I'm 
<laughs> Probably give you the ass whooping you need. <laughs> After all these years. <laughs> but, Holding it in. But I, I appreciate I'm it, fellas. I'm going to whip his ass one of these days. <laughs> oh, my God. This has been a fantastic episode. But, Cap, do you have a fucking outro for us? This episode has been brought to you by the great Coca-Cola Company. To call it back to Black Sabbath Volume 4. <laughs> the Coca-Cola Company. <laughs> for listening. Please insert another coin by supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash somethinggoodnetwork.